My name is James Rowlands, and I am a lifelong wrestling fan. In 2015, I started a podcast with my friend, Dan White, reviewing the WWE Network and seeing if it's worth the $9.99 a month. It was. And since then, every month, we watch the latest WWE pay-per-views, NXT, and now 205 Live. Still continuing our journey through the network, watching ECW, WCW, and all its classic content. Until we've watched it all, we are with you, and we are the WNR. Yes, hello. I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And it is episode 116 today, and it is work... Roundup, and what better way to start than some 205 Live catch up? So, we are 205 Live, episode 34, the 18th of July. Dan, how did we start things? We kick things off with a video package reviewing the history between Mustafa Ali and Drew Gulak, which boils down to Ali's high flying style, <coughs> which boils down to Ali's high flying style versus Gulak's ground game. Uh, Vic Joseph and Corey Graves welcome us to the show as they preview Akira Tozawa and Aria Davari, which will take place later tonight. And then uh, we start off with Mustafa Ali versus Drew Gulak, a two out of three falls match. No, two out of three ain't bad, and we're going to see this starting off on 205 Live. But these men have been feuding for the past few weeks. What have you thought of this feud, Dan? Again, you know, it's just another one that's starting to go on for a bit. You know, uh,. We got a bit annoyed with the Brian Akira Tozawa angle. Uh, that went on for a little while. Now this is, you know, it's going on for a bit. I'd like to see, you know, fresh matchups, even a few fresh faces. Yeah, do you think it is getting a little bit stale now with the, the talent? Like, we, we know... Well, it is, you know, when Ali's going against Gulak week in, week out. You know, we had Kendrick going against Tozawa. We've had, like, you know... And then they get rid of talent like Aries mm. yeah which... It's, well I, I, which I think it is perplexing what I think they maybe should do as well is like because people are losing every week we talk about Naam Dar's losing streak or other guys like this as well why don't you get in old not old cruise weights but you know Rey Mysterio uh, Juicy and Liger you know people like that to come in maybe take a loss and maybe be a little bit more special you know younger guy over a veteran rather than them sacrificing themselves each week you know well, they, you know talk- Ali going to go for the crucifix on Gulak trying to get down exactly or bring down Enzo Moray that could be a good thing as well because no. he, he's got a lot of no. crowd that likes him no. to go against Neville you know maybe he could be the man to stop no. the undefeated streak of no. Neville you never know why don't Mojo come down and fight he's not under 205 Dan you're being ridiculous well here. he should drop a weight class no you, you've been silly yes well, the Ali difference, the difference with Enzo Moray and the 205 lot well, Ali's I got, mean the 205 lot got I, I, I would love you to go on about Mojo but Ali has just pinned Gulak for the first fall here tonight and Gulak saying to Ali you can't do any wrestling was out wrestled by him there very technical pin by Ali 1-0, and Gulak's kind of lost his shit at the moment as well. It's a no-fly zone, and Ali didn't need it. So now Gulak's going to have to take his time. I mean, what does Gulak have to do now? I mean, one fall down straight away. Uh, Well, you know, he's got to try and get back in the game as quickly as he can and tie it up, really. Maybe go off the top rope. Well, there is no room for error. Not even the old uh, beating someone down with a chair to get the fall. You can't even do that now, Gulak. You're in serious trouble, and you're being out-wrestled by Ali at the moment in time. But as I said, that he caught Ali with a big back elbow, sends him into the corner now. 
headlock takedown and dropping the elbow onto Ali's chest. Goes for the cover. But Ali kicking out at one. One. Gulak trying to send Ali to the eighth and Ali holds on. Oh, flips back into the ring. Rolls up Gulak. What? Trying another cheeky cover. Yeah, that's what caught Gulak out in the first place but managing to kick out. Ooh. Now Ali's got Gulak but oh my God. God. Gets deposited over the top rope and eliminated from the Royal Rumble. Landed on them wafer-thin mats below. Is Gulak going to go flying? He'll take his time to figure out a game plan. Ali's aerial offence is awesome. i got to say, I mean, I've been really impressed by Mustafa Ali. And uh, it only be good. I hope he comes out the winning side of this because he's one of those guys that has definitely got a lot of potential. And now Gulak with a headbutt. And, uh, if it's, you know, if people thought cruiserweights... With just those guys that flew around the ring. I mean, Gulak is a completely different style, isn't he, Dan? You know, He is indeed, yes. You know, he's a map-based wrestler and he, he can wrestle with the best of them. I mean, in comparative terms, you know, you look at maybe someone like Dean Malenko back in the Cruiserweight glory days, the more technical side. I'm not saying that they're on the same level, but I mean, with Drew Gulak, he's been a bit all around, isn't he? This is his first proper one-on-one feud in 205 Live. I don't know how well we can do, you know. It would be interesting to see how he recovers because this no-fly zone, like I say, can only go one way, can't it, you know? Yeah, you can't ban flying from 205. It just wouldn't make sense, you know. You have to go on a one-man crusade, taking out every flying wrestler. Yeah. And would that eventually lead to Neville? Because Neville does high-fly moves sometimes, doesn't he, you know? Oh, so no, majority of the wrestlers do. Oh, and Ali, with a little bit of trouble, but the spinning heel kick takes Gulak down, and now looks to be on a comeback. Gulak in serious trouble. Irish whip to the corner. Oh, but Ali slipping out the ropes and out of the harm's way. Is he going to go flying? Oh, beautiful kick to the face. And now he's going to come rolling in with a net breaker. Oh! Hits it. Gulak's in trouble. Is Ali going to go up top? Oh, Gulak getting out of the way at harm's way. But like you say, you might see Ali flying. <laughs> Just a drop kick to the back of Gulak's head through the second and bottom rope. And now Ali on the outside to get Gulak. Oh, fucking Ooh. hell. Gulak throws Ali into the ring announcer's area, but uh, Ali lands on his feet and jumps off the barricade and takes out Gulak. A beautiful hurricane runner on the outside, but that no flies. <laughs> What's caught in the middle there? It might be broken. That is uh, that's not good for Gulak. Did Ali maybe hit his head there as well on a cameraman? Ali rolls Gulak back in. Oh, what's he going to go for? Well, not a lot because Gulak's got hold of Ali's ankle and pulls him off. <laughs> face first into the mat. And now Gulak's got the cravat in and he sends Ali to the second turnbuckle. Dangerous. That is a vicious style of Gulak, isn't it? And now, nearly had him. He's got him now. He's dragging sleeper on Ali. Ali taps out quick as you like. Gulak keeps it held in though, trying to put Ali out for the next fall. Referee trying to break the lock, but his big muscly arms are no match for Gulak. Well, I think the damage might be already done. And we see what Ali talk about tapping out so quickly. The reason is, he knows he's got another fall coming up, you know. He knows he's not going to try and fight it when it could do further damage the next time round. But it is one all now. Gulak does get the submission there. Both men are going to try and fight, and that neck is going to cause Ali all sorts of trouble. Gulak looks ready to finish him off. He's taken it up a level. That's what we asked. Can Gulak do this on 205 Live? And he's showing it right now against Ali. But is he on the Neville level yet? Who is on the Neville level on 205 Live? You know, have we actually seen someone reach that Neville level? I mean, Aries came close. I was going to say Austin Aries, but they fucking <laughs> decided to get rid yeah. of him. Yeah. 
Back Gulak. Oh! Ali finally making it back to his feet, calling Gulak on, and the bell sounds for the third and final fall, but Gulak straight out of the blocks with a vicious kick to Ali's head. He's looking to finish off Mustafa Ali now. He picks him up for the suplex. Oh, but Ali rolls him up in a small package. Oh, but Ali, uh, Gulak manages to kick out. Oh, oh my word. Track tie hold takedown there by Gulak and drops the elbow to the back of Ali's previously injured neck. Rolls him up for the cover, but only getting a two count. Two. And now going back to what he knows best, a sleeper hold. But like you say, look at the viciousness of Gulak using the fingers, getting in Ali's face, trying to stop the breathing of Ali as well. Any way to disrupt that, Ali in all sorts of trouble. But the crowd behind Ali, and that's a credit to him. You know, usually the crowd not really watching the action, even though we do see a few empty seats. Well, this is, of course, filmed after SmackDown, so, you know, a lot of the SmackDown faithful have buggered off, but yeah. the seats are being filled by the seat fillers, <laughs> which we saw the uh, saw happening at, when we was at SmackDown. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's what War. they do. When the, people on cam- when the seat's on camera, yeah, they just fill people in. You've got to remember, like, kids maybe coming, coming out to see the show. It is getting like, a little bit late now as well, as they're taken back. And now we see Ali finally find out the corner he's got. Gulak, and he's going to go Hurricane Rana. Oh! Gulak catches him and kind of power bombs him down to the mat. Goes for the cover, but Ali managing to kick out. Oh. Gulak cannot believe it, but now he looks like he's got a... He's smirking, Dan. No, he's just got a grin on his face. He hasn't got a cigarette in his gob. And he picks Ali up, looking to finish this off. Back suplex time, maybe. Oh, Ali lands on his feet. Pushes Gulak against the rope. Reverse Hurricane Rana sends Gulak headfirst to the canvas. Can Ali capitalise on that? We see the slow motion replay. So the power drive is banned, but that move is still able to do in 205. And Gulak, quite right, going to the outside. I mean, I'll take a count out of victory after that punishment. Well, Mustafa Ali going to the top. He's going to dive on the outside to Gulak. Oh, he's going to do some flying. Is this a good idea? Oh! oh. Takes out Drew Gulak and may have taken out himself in the process. A beautiful move there by Ali. And like he's down and out. And referee's counting. Come on, we want a decisive victory in this one. It is beautiful. You know, I don't care what people say about diving. It, it is a work of art. As Ali throws Gulak in. But he's holding that neck. It's caused him all sorts of trouble. It's not as if he was dropped on his head and compressed his <laughs> neck into his spine, you know. Here comes Ali. Flying crossbody. Gulak rolls through. One, two. No. Oh. Maybe a handful of tights by Gulak, but couldn't get the uh, pin because Ali kicked out. Uh. Now both men in the corner. Oh, Ali going for a spinning DDT, but gets suplexed oh. into the turnbuckle. And that two. is it. Oh. Ali still keeping in this match and managing to kick out. Oh, fair play to Ali. And Gulak seemed to enjoy dishing out the punishment on Ali. Showing his sadistic side. Maybe got it from his friend Randy Orton. Ali trying to get his bearings about him. But he's backed up. He's trying to... He's, I mean, he has to use the ropes to get up. It's been a war between these two men here tonight. Gulak going to try and attack Ali. Uh, Ali by sending Gulak away. Oh, Gulak charging in. But Ali lifting the foot straight into Gulak's face. Gulak goes with a headbutt to the midsection of Ali. Catches Ali's foot. But Ali catches him with a step up in Seguri. Swinging DDT. Plants Gulak into the mat. One, two. 
Oh, Gulak with a kick out. Oh, Ali cannot believe the Gulak and half there couldn't get the pin. This match incredibly still goes on. Both been in serious amount of trouble. Could be seriously injured here, Dan. Gulak might have internal bleeding. We just don't know at this moment. And Ali might be suffering from a stinger. Might be suffering from a broken freaking neck. Now Ali's going to try and finish off Gulak. He's been stuck at one apiece. And Gulak going to go slam. Oh, but Ali with a roll up. Beautiful by Gulak. Spinning round with a dragon sleeper. Oh! Ali reversed it into a pinning attempt. <laughs> Gets a near fall, but gets turned inside out by Gulak when he finally gets up to his feet. Last. Gulak with a cover attempt, but Ali managing to get his shoulder up at two. Two, and I say last second there for Ali, and that was a beautiful stream of moves between the two men. He looked like Gulak had a dragon sleeper in, but Ali showing his wrestling ability, managed to reverse it, and then the power of Gulak to send Ali inside out. Now Gulak, who was smirking earlier... And now he's got other ideas. He's looking at the top rope. Is he going to go up and do some flying of his own? Well, we all know what happened the last time Gulak went to the top down against Ali. We do indeed. It horribly backfired on him. Indeed, he got air sickness from that and lost the match. But he's going to try it again. He's on the second rope. His knees buckling out from under him. Making his way to the top. You crazy bastard, Gulak. He's taking his sweet-ass time about it, though. Is he going to do it? It's no fly zone, but is he going to take the chance? Is he going to contradict himself to put Mustafa Ali? You don't have to do it. It's too late, though, because Ali's recovered. Hurricane <laughs> Rana off the top. <laughs> and Gulak broke Gulak's back. He doesn't want any of it. Here comes Ali off the top. Oh! Hey, inverted 450. One, two, three. Oh! And Ali wins 2-1. Fair play, Mustafa Ali. Getting the job done. But a great match, Dan. A bloody good match, yeah. You know, it was uh, very well played out between the two of them. I like it when it goes to one apiece. Because, you know, again, it could go either way. Gulak thought about going up top to enter the fly zone. But, you know, regretted it halfway through. Before he had a chance to climb back down, backfired on him. Yeah, I mean, Gulak's fucked himself up. Again, but now this has got to be the end of it because Ali has proven that high-flying moves get the job done. When done correctly, you have to be able to pull these moves off. As we see Ali, definitely be able to. Like <laughs> that reacting there. The Hurricane Rana. And then that is a thing of beauty by Ali getting the job done. Uh, up next, we see a recap of Aria Davari versus Akira Tozawa from last night when Titus O'Neil decided to end the match for Tozawa when his shoulder injury became obvious. Tozawa was not happy with O'Neill's decision and wanted a rematch tonight. And uh, a clip of Apollo Crews and Tozawa is shown from earlier today. Crews tries to explain that O'Neill was just trying to protect his investment. Crews can see Tozawa isn't healed up but supports him either way. Well, backstage, the Brian Kendrick is shown heading to the ring. The next match is the Brian Kendrick versus Devin Bennett. Before the match gets started, Kendrick talks to Bennett about Jack Gallagher and how people should fight the right way, his way. Not like Gallagher, who has goofy gimmicks and are like clowns. He thinks Bennett should just quit right now. Do you think you can beat me? And Bennett says, yes, I can. Can I just say, the likes of Brian Kendrick and the likes of uh, 
Drew Gulak. Why are they so concerned about what everyone else can and can't do? They should worry about themselves. Yeah, they should try and be successful rather than being on a losing end on most of the fuse they're in as well. Uh, so the match gets started and Kendrick instantly beats down Bennett. Are you a fighter or are you a clown? Kendrick yells at his opponent over and over. Bennett finally gets in the strike, which enrages Kendrick, who hits a big kick and locks in the captain's hook for the win. Yeah, so the winner, Lee Brian Kendrick via submission. And then last week, Cedric Alexander versus Noam Dar in an I Quit match. Cedric eventually won after he put Darm's R between a chair and stomped continuously on it until Dar quit. Post-match, Dar breaks up with Alicia Fox. You mean nothing to me. Backstage, Dasha Fuentes is with TJP. And we see a recap of TJP and Rich Swan having a back-to-back matches with some poor soul. TJP was able to win his match quicker than Swan. TJP says Swan can't stand coming in second to him. First in the CWC, now that match. TJP says Rich is his friend and he does want to make it up to him. So next week, TJP is going to arrange some real competition. He'll pick a partner, Swan will pick a partner, and they will have a tag match. Aria Davari versus Akira Tozawa. And Davari out first, he gets on the mic and promotes his home country of Iran and an Iranian gold medal freestyle wrestler from the 50s. Tozawa out next with his shoulder taped up and no Titus. Davari tries to focus on the shoulder, but it's zero luck early on as Tozawa lays him out multiple times. Davari goes for a splash in the corner, completely misses. Davari to the apron, yanks Tozawa's arm on the ropes, and now Davari has some momentum and goes back to work on Tozawa's shoulder. Uh, multiple moves crank on the bad shoulder as Tozawa yells in agony. He finally gets Davari down and back into the and gets back into the ring. And it's not long before Davari is back on the floor and Tozawa hits his big suicide dive. Well, probably not the smartest move as he's now in a lot of pain as the referee begins his ten count of both men. Action moves back into the ring. Tozawa a quick pin. Two count. Two. Shining Wizard by Tazawa lands flush. Another pin. Another two. Two. The crowd, the crowd gets the ah, ah, ah chant going as he gets caught by Tavari who continues to focus on the shoulder. Tavari goes to the top and lands a frog splash on Tazawa's back. He goes for the pin but only a two count. Two. Despite trying to hold the tights. Cheating bastard. Tazawa tries for a roll up and his own handful of trunks gets the one, two, three. Tavari is not happy and after the match throws Tazawa into the ring post. Tozawa is in a lot of pain on the outside, and we're out. So, yes, Tozawa gets the win, but gets beaten up in the end. So, can an injured Tozawa get a rematch for the Cruiserweight title? We'll see. It's 205 Live moves on, and we go to episode 35, which was the 25th of July. The recent cancellations of Talking Smack and Unfiltered with Renee Young on the WWE Network have sparked speculation that WWE might do the same thing to 205 Live. The cost for producing the Cruiserweight exclusive show is low, since it uses all the same equipment as SmackDown, so there is little chance of the show going anywhere anytime soon. However, the writing team needs to find way find a way to make the show more interesting or viewership levels might drop to the point where WWE has no choice but to can it. So I'll never want a handful of other superstars that have great performances every week, but the non title views have been low quality for a long time and that's what we've been saying, haven't we, Dan, you yeah. know? Hopefully things will change now that the W Universe has got to know the roster a little better. Let's take a look at everything that happened on this week's episode of 205 Live. <clears throat> so the first match was Davari versus Neville. Yes, and Akira Tozawa joined the commentary table to watch Aria Davari take on Neville. This was an odd hill versus hill pairing. 
but we've seen WWE do more matches like this recently, so it may become more commonplace in the future. Well, Davari's win-loss record on 205 Live is possibly the worst in the division. Well, it's not. No Amdars. No Amdars. Come on, I know I've written that down, but I don't mean it. So it was a little weird scene put who's weight champion. Uh, yes, despite Neville's dominance, he is great at making sure his opponents look good at the end of the match. He sold Davari's offence in a way that made the Persian Lion look better than he ever has before. Well, but in a shocking twist, Davari ended up picking up the win by countout after shoving Neville into Zawa. This was a solid match, but it won't get Davari into a top push anytime soon. And we've written a couple of notes and highlights from it as well. <clears throat> yeah, the crew was still putting the ringside area back together at the top of the show following Kevin Owens' hissy fit at the end of SmackDown. Well, Neville gave an interview at the top of the show. His stick is starting to get a little old. He needs to lose the title so he can go back to being a vicious heel, pursuing the valiant champion. Davari dedicating his performance to legendary Iranian wrestlers is a cool addition to his character. He still needs a lot of work in other areas, but, 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 but paying tribute to his idols humanises him. Well, the Brian Kendrick venting his frustrations. The Brian Kendrick came to the ring and complained about how he tries to teach everyone important lessons every week, but no one listens to him. He singled out Jack Gallagher as the target of his insults. He made fun of Gentleman Jack's white complexion and his red hair, just like John Cena did over Seamus, <laughs> while showing altered images of him on a big screen. They ended up leading to a final picture of Gallagher dressed like a clown. Well, Kendrick is an incredible talent, but he's not been given anything to work with. This was clearly a case of a superstar working from someone else's script instead of coming up with his own promo. Jackie Boy said taking the high road with Kendrick wouldn't work, so he planned on knocking his head off. Kendrick left the ring before he had a chance and put, seg- put this segment out of its misery. So, WWE also played a video highlighting Mustafa Ali and Drew Gulak's final showdown from last week before this segment. It made their feud look better than several weeks of actual matches ever did. It's another example of WWE's editing team being the best in the business. And Gallagher's suits are always on point. He must have a huge collection. (laughs) And at least Kendrick didn't dress as Gallagher this time. This feud has already worn out its welcome, but their final encounter should be great considering the level of talent both men possess. Uh, Amen to that. So we go to our next match, which is TJP. He did say last week that he'll have a tag team partner. Rich Strong can pick a tag team partner, and we'll see what happens. And they have done. TJP, who did your man pick, Dan? TJP uh, picked Tony Nese. And Rich Swan picked... Someone who looks nothing like him, Cedric Alexander. No, well, TJP and Richron's friendly feud continued this week with a tag team match. Uh, nice and Alexander almost got into a fight backstage, but TJP and Swan kept things from getting physical until they got to the ring. These four men have been part of the division since its inception, but they've had different levels of success. Swan and TJP are former champions, while Alexander and Nice have been held back by injuries and poor bookings, respectively. So let's have a look at the match. It has just started here. And it's Rich Swan and Tony Nese in there. And Rich changes uh, in ring gear a little bit. I mean, I bet he'd done that a couple of months ago, didn't he? Well, he's not usually wearing trousers. I don't know if he is or not. But And look at this. Beautiful by both men. These two might be the best pure athletes into a five live. Well, Tony Nese is the premier athlete. And Rich Swan calls former Cruiserweight champion tagging in. Rich Swan, uh, tagging in Cedric Alexander. So Alexander's chance to work over Nice, but Nice finally gets the upper hand on him. And uh, he's giving him a bit of mat work, but 
Alexander managing to fight out. Yeah, showing off what they can do. I mean, Alexander's his first chance to shine, really, without being in Alicia Fox, uh, without being a part of the Alicia Fox Nam Dar rivalry. So hopefully he can shine by himself. And like I say, Tony Nese, he looks like a heavyweight, fights like a cruiserweight, gets backed into Rich Swan's corner. And it's interesting. Tag in from Cedric Alexander. It's an interesting team. Do you like this team of Swan and Alexandra? Alexander? It's, it's like a cruiserweight version of the Nudo. <laughs> Can you say that? Yeah. I, I just did. <laughs> but you got a little uh, Kofi Kingston and you got a skinny uh, Biggie Langston. Well. They just need. Uh, <laughs> they need the Woods. Woods. Yeah, they need the Woods to join them in. Well, he's just been kicked to the back. And uh, Swan and TJP, who do you think is better between these two? Do you like the feud first off between these two? Yeah, you know, they're both great wrestlers, are they? Uh, I prefer TJP. I don't think he's been used to his full potential. I think he's a great athlete and a brilliant wrestler. Well, the thing I like about this feud as well is the fact it's not just like an old veteran wrestler or a guy saying you shouldn't do this, you should do it my way, like we've seen countless amounts of times. This is a friendly rivalry between the two. You know, which one is better? It's probably one of my favourite rivalries in wrestling because then you can move it on to a proper heel turn you know if alexander's always got tjp's number then in the end he turns heel to actually get the advantage well, you know again. well yeah but at least it's a proper way of telling a story you know at least yeah. you can you can see it uh in front of us and they explain it more than just like oh i don't like you because of the way you wrestle you know it's more of a personal thing these are friends and they want to prove which one is better and at the moment with alexander and tjp they're showing off their skills. Both men doing really well. A few brilliant exchanges between the two. Drop kicks, head scissors and the like. Oh, Nice goes, gets sent out to the outside and he goes flying. And now... Cedric Alexander <laughs> going to go flying. Oh. So Swan. Oh. Like it's awesome. <laughs> and both men with their perfectly synchronised uh, double manoeuvre there. Uh, Alexander flipping off the turnbuckle and uh, no Alexander flipping over the top rope and Swan flipping off the second turnbuckle and their timing couldn't have been more. that was absolutely lovely by both men there and it's been a really good match with Alexander trying to keep TJP down but he kicks out oh. and he's working on his arm I mean TJP though it's difficult isn't it because I know he's obviously your number one pick and he's such a huge fan but to have that pressure of being the first cruiserweight champion to be the winner of the cwc to be able to try and carry that momentum it's at least still good that he's been treated as a star you would say you know yeah most definitely you know it's deservedly so as well but again you know he's not had much more of a chance he's kind of teamed up with neville since but you know he's then made the transition back into face and he's having a friendly feud with his friend yeah friend friend but um you know, I think he he's one of the wrestlers that could frustrate and out-wrestle Neville into actually winning his Cruiserweight Championship, personally. I, th- I would say, we talked about the Neville level in the last episode, I would say probably at least four men are the closest to Neville in that way. You know, with Tony yeah. Nice, uh, I've always been impressed with him. He's, he's obviously got the look. TJP, we know how good he is technically and the way he can fly. And I think with Rich Swan, you've probably got... Uh, aside from maybe Jack Gallagher, the most liked guy on the roster as well. I think there is something yeah. just likeable about Rich Swan, you know? 
And with Cedric Alexander, if you go back to his match against Kota Ibushi in the CWC, one of the matches of last year, we know Cedric Alexander can deliver. It's like we were talking about with the Alicia Fox thing. Just, it's not been done right at the moment, you know, so hopefully they can build from there. I would love to see a Alexander versus Neville straight up one-on-one match because you, yeah. you know that it would be an awesome one. But do you think these are kind of going through the motions now because, you know, as we said, the match quality is starting to slip. We've... You know, we've not really had a match of the year contender since we've seen like the brilliant ones from the Cruiserweight Championship. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. And it's difficult when you've got just like, a certain amount of time. You know, you've got your 10, 15 minutes, wherever it is. You've got three matches each week and they're trying to tell a story to be able to actually have a great match. I mean, like the Ali Gulak one from last week, it's a good match, isn't it? But it's not great. Like they, they are delivering it like this one now it's going to be a good match but it just doesn't go up to that next level maybe it's maybe they've been told to not do that because they don't want to overshadow you know the the main roster so to speak but i think it's unfair when you say to them you can't do certain things you know you've got to go all out if you want the cruiserweight division to be successful much like the women's one you've got to say right do what you want to do create the characters you want to create uh, and have matches that you want to have you know well do you not think they should be introduced to either raw or smackdown and say look you know, it'll be like the Cruiserweight Championship of old. You can still face heavyweights, but, yeah. you know, unless you're 205 or less, you can't go for yeah. it. Yeah, I think most definitely. I think the the cut of things that should be done is, you know, like we saw in NXT with... Um, or even on NXT, I think that'd be a perfect place for him. Yeah, I think mean, NXT really work. But I think like with Roderick Strong, the kind of the promos we saw about learning more about his family, more about himself. I think every cruiserweight should have that, and it should be shown on Raw. Raw is three hours to have a little five-minute, two-minute promo of a wrestler to learn about him would make a whole lot of sense. And also with the purple ropes and the you, you're making a normal show of Raw. It's not a part of the show. It's a little thing that happens. You know, that is, is during just... During the show. During the show, well, yeah. If you've got time on a two-hour episode of SmackDown to watch a Raw match, <clears throat> then I don't see why you can't have, you know, a couple of 15, 20-minute matches instead of having the fucking Fashion Files or something stupid like that. Or, you know, or a 20-minute Enzo Amore yeah. fucking speech when he gets beaten up in five. Yeah, and, and this, is a, this is a problem as well because you've got the 20-minute the openings of each show, you know, 15 minutes setting up the rest of it, that could be taken away, that could be given a match in its place instead, you know? So yeah. there is definitely certain ways around it. And in, the, in this match, it has all been TJP at this moment in time, making sure Cedric can't get the tag. But it's been really crisp between all four men, and you can't say... You, oh, you can't, no, you can't no, argue no, with that at the moment. We've all been working re- really well yeah. together. I mean, we talk about it, and this is the problem at the moment with the WWE. The, the amount of talent in the roster, and they just get right. You know, the talent is there. The amount of great wrestlers who could do, you know, fantastic things, and instead they're pushing the wrong people, or there's not enough time, you know. Uh, and this is one of the things, and they have an idea, like, okay, let's have the UK guys. They have this big thing and introduce all the, you know, all they introduce 30 men and then you don't see them, you don't hear from them, but they're still part of the roster. You know, same with the May Young Classic, you're going to have 32 women joined in. So now the roster already is going to be over like 300 people and there's just not enough time or space for them, you know? But yet they're still going to show the same old faces day in, day out. Yeah, exactly. It's still going to be the same guys on Monday Night Raw. No offence to Randy Orton or SmackDown, but he went straight from the Hall feud bang into the Rusev feud, didn't he? You know, so it's like, oh, you Did you hear time. the fucking cheer he got, though, when he come out after Rusev's match? Yeah, no. Shut fa- up, then. Fair, fair play to him. And Rich one's got the hot tag. He's in, baby, and he's on fire. 
And he takes Nice down with a spinning wheel kick and a pin. Trying to get this over quickly. Well, not quickly, but quickly for him. So he's just got in the ring. Well, at the moment, as well, Rich Roy is facing a two-on-one disadvantage, isn't he? Because the amount of punishment Alexander has taken not being in this match. And Swan there looked to get Nice, but Nice responded with a lovely right hand. Swan there is sweating like a... He is. He's sweating a lot as he gets caught with a huge forearm by Nice. Catches uh, Nice with a clothesline of his own and, oh, looks to take <laughs> Nice's head off. But Nice with the Matrix type oh. backwards forward and flips up, but gets caught with a combo of kicks from Swan. Oh, he, he was doing well on Swan, like I say, until Swan dodged the uh, low kick. And then, like a ninja movie, Swan responded. And Rich already needs to tag out. <laughs> Alexander's been beaten up, can barely get himself in the apron. Here comes TJP as well. And Cedric taking TJP down with the kicks. Oh, catches his foot, delivers a spinning back elbow. Oh, handspring backflip, looking for something, but TJP had it scouted. Oh! Gets turned inside out. Oh, but Nice there with the save. Save. And I tell you what, Nice needed to come in there now, then, and help TJP. He was down and out. Rich Swan now with a chops to Tony Nice. Referee needs to get control of this. Oh! Oh, Swan going to bounce off the ropes, but Nice had it well scouted and kind of trips Swan <laughs> over. Takes him down to the outside and wheelbarrows him into the announce table. Uh, Tony Nice looking as impressive as ever back in the apron. Oh! Alexander with an elbow knocking him off. And now it's just TJP and Alexander. Oh, my God! Oh, well. Yeah, I don't know what that was. So the referee saw his shoulder up when it was impossible, but didn't see Kevin Owens' shoulder up. <laughs> against well, uh, AJ Styles. It was a front stabber, I guess, by TJP. Referee wasn't in position. Perkins picking up a detonation kick. Oh, but Alexander there with the handspring spinning kick. Takes down Perkins. One, two. Oh! Perkins managing to kick out. Oh. Fair play, TJP. Showing his toughness. But like we talked about, first cruiserweight champion of the modern era. Now Alexander's being serious because he's taken off. His protection. Is he being as serious as Lance Storm? I think he's going to go. Can I be serious for a minute, Dan? Alexander going to go springboard. Oh! But gets pushed off by Tony Nice. Rolled up by Perkins. Two, three. Oh! And like that, after a brilliant match, it finishes in a stupid little roll-up. But the MVP of this match has got to be Tony Nice. He ran um, interference then beautifully. And they don't, we talked about Alexander Swan being a good team. I'll tell you what, Nice and Perkins don't look too bad. TJP. Yeah, you know, you've got the skill and, uh, well, I don't know, the technique of Perkins with the strength of Nice. Well, I'm impressed by them. You know, I think, uh, I think TJP and Tony Nice, very impressive. I mean, what did you think of the match? I thought it was a bloody brilliant match. You know, again, the finish, it's... Screwy enough to warrant a rematch for someone, but it's, you know, it was decisive. Well, Perkins gets, uh, TJP gets a win over the fr- in, a, in a friendly rivalry against Rich Swan, even though he didn't get pinned. But no, fantastic match, and we got a couple of notes. Uh, when these came out, he delivered an entire promo during his entrance without a microphone. The majority of the fans in attendance probably have no idea what he was saying. Uh, nice is one of the only few superstars who has a physique perfect for action figures most people never resemble the body the companies give them for figures yeah it's it's true you know usually they are quite bulky i think these tight and ripped there fantastic shape um 
Swan and Alexander would make a great full-time tag team if WWE ever decided to let the Cruiserweights compete for other titles in the future. And that's the thing, if they would allow them to compete for other titles. You know? Yes, and the ref totally screwed up a pin towards the end of the match and you could see the look of confusion on TJP stopped counting at one. So one. So that was our second episode 205. We move on to episode 36, which was the 1st of August. The show started off with a recap of Neville injuring Akira Tozawa's shoulder. Neville's issues with Tozawa and Davari were shown as well before the regular intro. Corey Graves and Vic Joseph hyped up Jindam Hall versus Shinsuke Nakamura at SummerSlam before talking about Grand Metallic versus Tony Moore versus Davari tonight. Brian Kendrick came out to absolute dead silence before cutting a promo on Jack Gallagher, also to dead silence. Gallagher came out to do battle with him and hopefully finally end this feud. So who's Dead Silence? Is he a new cruiserweight wrestler? <laughs> that is a good name for a wrestler, isn't it? Hey, Jack Gallagher. Manchester England, England. Hey, Gentleman Jack, Dan, it's good to see him, isn't it? It is bloody good to see Gentleman Jack, yes. You know, he's, he's a favourite of ours, but is he... Starting to get a bit stale now. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? Is he really a clown? Is it just a comedy character for Jack Gallagher? Can he go any further than he has done in the WWE? There has not been one two I have not featured Jack Gallagher, and it is good to see him. And like I say, we hope for the best, but I don't know if this feud is the best thing for him. So it's going to be Jack Gallagher versus Kendrick. Oh! Jack Gallagher comes straight out with a vicious elbow and a series of uppercuts and elbows and knee strikes. Oh, not Tony knees. Look at the headbutts. He's using his head as the weapon. Well, Jack Gallagher's fired up here. It's better than using his weapon as a head. <laughs> yeah, referee pulling Jack away. But he's not finished yet. Oh, takes him to the opposite corner, bounces his head off the top turnbuckle and delivers a uppercut and then back to the original corner he was in. Oh, another vicious uppercut there from Gallagher. He's coming out and he means business. I don't think he likes being called a clown. Well, no, he's shown his serious side now. And he's vicious striking on Kendrick. Kendrick's not been able to cover. The referee's pulling him away. But yeah, Jack's shown that he's not all about the comedy. Oh! And another vicious <laughs> headbutt. Knocks Gallagher for six, but done even worse to Kendrick. Uh, Kendrick just trying to get away, holding on to the apron on the rope. Oh, fucking hell. Gallagher just kicking Kendrick in the <laughs> face. <laughs> and Kendrick is stuck here. Referee's counting. Oh. And Jack Gallagher's been DQ'd, but I don't think that's going to stop him. Well, Brian Kendrick's only disrespected him, disrespected everything about him and his country as he throws him into the barricade. Our country. Our country. Thank you very much. Go on, Jack. Put a pounding on Brian. Oh, throws him into the barricade twice. And Kendrick hasn't even got a shot off in this match. And now he's Oh! Into the LED screen. Gallagher means business. That's going to cause serious damage to Brian Kendrick. Gallagher doesn't look like he cares. Rakes Kendrick's face up the LED screen. Well, I've never seen Jack Gallagher like this before. He looks focused. Well, now he's got William the fourth or fifth. Oh, and Brian Kendrick's diving out of harm's way. And you imagine Jack was going to put a whip on him, like you say, with the umbrella. Well, have you ever seen a more serious Jack Gallagher, Dan? I haven't, no. Kendrick's retreating like a coward. What did you think of that then, Jack Gallagher? 
Farley's showing a serious side against Brian Kendrick. Kendrick I think it's good of Gallagher, you know, showing a badass side that he's not to be messed with. Well, I don't think this is over between these two men, but Jack is ready for a fight as we move on and up next, Dan. Uh, up next, Rich Swan was playing WWE 2K17 before TJP insulted him. TJP said he's better and they proceeded to have a long, drawn-out conversation. Swan challenged into a match next week, but TJP wanted a 2K17 match first. Tony Nice came out to face Grand Metallic before bragging about his 8-pack. Bit like me, we've both got eight packs. Uh, the only difference is mine is an eight pack of Pepsi. Nice helping TJP beat Swan last week was shown for Nice bragged about his physique more. They kept lingering on his head while he had said more stuff about how powerful he is. Grand Metallic cut a subtitle promo about how Nice is brawn, but his technique will fail him tonight. Did nice it, Dan? Isn't, nice isn't Strowman. <laughs> Did it fail him tonight? Uh, no, it didn't. No, Tony Nice defeated Grand Metallic. Nice shoved Metallic off a headlock so that he could pose. Metallic landed a series of arm drags, including a springing one off the ropes. He hopped to the apron and ate a big forearm, leading to Nice going for a baseball slide, missing to the floor and eating a fast acai moonsault. Well, Nice landed a gut buster for two before driving a knee to the two. gut a few times and flapjacking him for two. Two. Nice set him up to top to pose and got punched down and net a crossbody for two. Two. A rope walk elbow drop got an ear full for Metallic. Nice kicks him off the second rope, landing a kneeling knee strike, or the Tony Nice in the corner, to win it. And uh, Tazar was shown stretching before his match with Davari. Dasha Fuentes met with Neville, who was asked a question about who he wants to see win. Neville said that Titus O'Neil and Tazawa have been a thorn in his side for too long, so his response should be clear. Well, he said he didn't even know Davari existed until he was disrespected last week. And he truly doesn't care who wins because they will all fall to the kings of the cruiserweights. Davari came out and cut a promo about dedicating his win tonight and future to another Iranian champion. He is fighting for a nation, his nation, while Neville and Tazawa fight for themselves. Well, that was a strange baby's face style promo for a hill to cut. Well, up next, we have got Akira Tazawa versus Davari in a number one contenders match. Well, they locked up and Tazawa won that amid a sea of... Ah! 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 His act is the only one that can really get the crowd. It's amazing, Tazawa. Oh my God, wait a minute. Tazawa's going up to the top already. Davari goes to the outside. Here comes Tazawa now. Bouncing around in the ring, but Davari makes his way back in and takes out Tazawa with a crossbody. No, you've got to remember, Tazawa's got the injury, hasn't he? The injured arm that Neville, what Neville did to him in the rings of sat and that devastating submission holds Davari in, a, in control now. And what a right hand by Tazawa. Oh, and a Hurricane Rana takes Davari down. Tazawa with a big right hand. He can't use his left because it's all strapped up. Well, Tazawa's at a disadvantage. Would you say Davari is the favourite in this match? Uh, no, I still think Tazara is, even though he's got one arm. <laughs> yeah, one arm man. He's doing all right at the moment. Oh, oh he was until he got <laughs> thrown shoulder first into that ring post. Yeah. But how many men can say they have beaten Neville this year? Davari, count out victory last week. He has a victory over the Cruiserweight Champion. How many men can say that, Dan? I've said that two different ways, honestly. Um... No man can say that in the 205 Live division. Because Aerie's now released, and he's the only one that had the uh, disqualification victory. But exactly, it didn't matter in the end. And Davari, using all of his uh, intelligence, trying to get Tazawa counted out. Referee's up to eight, 
And just like sliding in to home for Tazawa, getting in the ring just in time, but get caught in the pin. Oh, oh yeah, after a, a few stamps to that injured shoulder and uh, kicks out of two. Two. Divari looking impressive now. Those huge uh, clubbing strikes to Tazawa when he was downed. But Tazawa has shown his toughness. That's one thing about Tazawa that we know is how tough he is. Well, Does- he doesn't back out. He doesn't. We've seen how to... Does he deserve this spot as a number one contender if he does win, Dan? He does, yes, definitely. Yeah, I think he's been one of the, the better stories on 205 Live, hasn't he, you know? He, he has, yeah. When he debuted and we thought, who is this guy? You know, we're not sure, of course, in the CWC. And now the the the, uh, 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 the fans get really behind him. Does he get a good reaction on Monday Night Raw when he wrestles? He does indeed, yes. Yeah, yeah. The fans love chanting. Ah, ah, ah. There we go. Just like you, it's a joy to watch Tazawa, but Tazawa at the moment with the knees up and a bottom turnbuckle there. Tazawa in all sorts of trouble and look who's watching on. The king of cruiserweights, the Neville level. Neville watching backstage. You know he's going to face one of these guys at SummerSlam, the biggest party of the summer. And it might be Davari. Davari with a boot to the arm, going for the pin, Tazawa kicking out. Uh, Tazar would be recovered in time if he does beat Davari. Well, this is the thing. I don't even know if he's going to get through this match at the moment. Davari's game point has been, well, game plan has been on point in this match. He's focusing on the injured arm, the injured shoulder, Tazawa. I mean, having the, the bandage and strapping on is a target. He's trying to get the count out earlier, any means necessary. You know, Tavari said he wants to go through. He thinks he can beat Neville. You know, he thinks he is the best cruiserweight on 205 Live. And Tazawa's got to fight that. He's got to show tenacity, even with an injury, to get through. And like I say, even if he does, he's got to fight Neville, a man who's not been pinned in over eight months now in the WWE. I mean, it's, it's a challenge. I don't know if Tazawa, 100% Tazawa, could do, let alone what we could say now, 50% Tazawa. I'll say he's a 75%. You know, he's got one of his limbs out of use. No, no Titus and Neil either at ringside. You wonder how that's going to go forward as well, if, if Titus is going to get upset. He doesn't want him in this corner, even though he's trying to get him the rematch. If he wins tonight, he does indeed get the title shot. But Davari now is going to catch... Oh, Tazawa, and that is beautiful. Sleeper hold there, using the arm extension as well, getting him down. And Tazawa's a long way from that bottom rope. Could this be it for Tazawa? Oh, he's in trouble. And Tazawa trying to hook it through. Does get to the pin. Rolls him up for a two count. Two. But holding all the weight back down. Tazawa's got to do all the work. And all the energy. This is really impressive by Davari. I've got to give him that. Indeed. And that's the referee who fucked up the Kevin Owens uh, match. Kevin Owens AJ Styles match. But he's still involved in this one tonight. Let's hope he doesn't mess up the ending because we need to know who becomes the number one contender for the Cruiserweight title at SummerSlam. Who faces Neville? Who is on the Neville level? Is it Davari's Tazawa? Oh. Roadbreaker to the arm. The bad arm of Tazawa rolls him up, but Tazawa manages to kick out. Ah, and that's how difficult it is with the arm being worked on. The normal kick out ah. is using your arms to try and press your shoulders off the mat. Tazawa can't even do that. So it's all about trying not to be caught in that position. And at the moment, Tavari is just in complete control of this match. He knows exactly what he's doing. doesn't look like, you know, even though Tazawa probably gets and 205 Live, he doesn't seem to be flustered by it. No, he's just sticking to his game plan, working on Tazawa's shoulder. Now, Tavari, you don't see him going to the top that often. 
Take out Tazawa. Oh, oh! Went for a frog splash, but missed its target. <laughs> and um, look, does the look of Tazawa's face tell us anything? Ha! Ha! <laughs> Maybe this is his opportunity. Maybe this is his chance to get back into this match. And Tazawa now, he's biting down on the gum shield. He's going to go to work. Oh! Spinning heel kick. Missed the follow-up, though, with the spinning kick. Catches him on a lovely suplex. Oh, oh, running knee. Could this finish Davari off? One, two. Oh. oh. Davari managing to kick out. Ah, Davari showing his toughness there, being controlled the last five minutes. All of a sudden, Tazawa getting momentum on his side. Davari managed to get the shoulder up, but Tazawa's going to sit him in the corner. Tazawa, one-armed man. All, that, <laughs> all the damage has been done to him. Going to try to go to the top. Oh. Took too long to get up there, obviously, only having one arm. Davari's climbed up to the top now. Wait, the way Tazawa landed on that shoulder. Oh, second attempt at a frog splash hits it. Two. Oh, oh but Tazawa managing to kick out. Ah. I honestly default. Davari had it. And I think he I think he thinks that as well. I think I think that he knows that I think that. And that's what cost Tazawa the cruiserweight title against Neville being hung up on that top rope. Oh, and you can see as he come down off the top there, his arm got caught up over the top rope. Plus injuring it a bit more. Yeah, and the fog splash, I'm sure he made sure to make sure he got the knees right into that shoulder and impact. Really sure? As he picks surely, he picks up Tazawa to surely finish it. Oh, but Tazawa with the back body drop. Oh! oh running knee, sends Davari to the outside, but he manages to stand the edge of the apron. And Big that's forearm, yeah. and Tazawa's hyped up. Oh no, it's not suicide time, is it? You've only got one arm. Takes him out, hits him with the roughly the good shoulder. To be taken out by a suicide dive, is it? It's Tazawa going to the top rope for the match winning senton, will it be? Boom! Oh. Hits it. That's got to be it. One, one two, three. And an Iranian gets hit with a bomb. Tazawa becomes the number one contender. This. Japan, this young Japanese man goes to face the undefeated British and the Iranian, like you say, in defeat. Fair play, but at least has across the nation, is it? Multinational here. Tazawa versus Neville at SummerSlam. Dan, what did you think of this match? I thought it was good. You know, a one-armed Tazawa managed to beat a two-armed Davari. <laughs> Does that take something away from Davari? But Tazawa was looking at Neville when he was looking to his left. Well, Neville now seems to have the kind of realization on his face. W on his trunks as well. That he's got to fight Tazawa at SummerSlam. Maybe Neville didn't want that. Will he? Like, the question is though: Will Tazawa be a hundred percent fit come SummerSlam? I think he's well fit. As we see replay. No, I thought it was a really good match. I think Tazawa yeah. showed a lot. In this match, uh, he carried, carried the, the vast majority of it working on the arm. A couple of really nice near falls as well, but I think the right man won, didn't he? It's definitely uh, the, the fan's choice. Yeah. We are only two weeks, two. A, two weeks away from SummerSlam, and we've got one episode of 205 Live left. So we move on to our last episode of 205 Live, the 8th of the 8th, or for people who are not sure, the 8th of August, episode 37. Well, TJP and Rich Swan have a friendly rivalry going on in 205 Live. This week saw TJP and Rich Swan continue their so-called friendly rivalry in the main event. Well, let's take a look at everything that happened on this week's episode of 205 Live and our opening match to two of WWE's best athletes going head-to-head when Tony Nese took on Cedric Alexander. 
This is a continuation of the feud they started during last week's show, but it's too early to tell if it's a real storyline, if a real storyline will develop between the two, or if this is just a random cruiserweight match. Well, both competitors are capable of incredible feats of athleticism, but something about this match felt off. It might have been the way it was paced, or it might be the crowd barely responding unless someone was flipping off the top rope. Well, I think they did look good from a technical standpoint, but there was no sense of urgency until the last couple of minutes, which we're going to watch right now. And Cedric Alexander is backed up in the corner. And Tony Nese, like we say, the premier athlete, someone who I think could do so much on 205 Live. And finally a chance for Cedric Alexander to come out of that. Alicia Fox, Noanne Darfield, and become his own man. It can only be a good thing, Dan, can't it? Tony Nese has Cedric Alexander there tied up in a tree of woe and just started laying on his back and doing a backwards bicycle as he was kicking and <laughs> kicking Alexander in the midsection. And now Alexander's fighting back, but both men exchanging big, heavy blows in the ring. Nice, I think, won that exchange, and uh, he's looking to set Alexander up for a suplex. But, oh, Alexander there with a uh, little package. Nice didn't like that and come out with a big clothesline after kicking out at one. One. Uh, now Nice going to the back of Alexander that he's been working on for the, well, the opening part of this match. Now going to wear him down. Got the legs locked across, trying to stop the breathing of Nice. And like we spoke about, Tony Nice, he looks like a heavyweight, but he fights like a cruiserweight. And I've been impressed with him. And Sadiq Alexander, we can't forget the classic match he had against Kota Ibushi in the CWC. We know when Alexander gets given enough time, gets the right opponent, he can have a great match. And it's something we haven't seen enough. And I think these two are a major part of the, of the future of 205 Live, you know. But I don't think we've seen seen them hit as much of the heights as they did when they was in the CWC. And this for is a majority a, of these athletes. Yeah, and this is a problem because you know tournament affair. Maybe it's easy even telling a story than it is trying to do a weekly show. You know, to try and fit everybody in, give them certain storylines. But see what happens here. Like we say, we see if this turns into a, a, a big feud or not. As Nice has just been rocked with a Cedric Alexander kick. Maybe now a little bit of separation to try and get back into this match. But one thing, again, you know, that kind of takes away from it is there is only one main prize in the Cruiserweight division. And obviously not everyone can go for that main prize. So they've got to do something personal. And there's, you know, only so many personal story, you know, personal rivalries you can have involving storylines. No, I completely agree with you. As Alexander now springboards in with a clothesline to try and get Nick kicks out two. Two. I think the thing is they should be allowed to compete for other titles. You know, a couple of cruiserweights or a few cruiserweight teams trying to go for the Royal Tag Team title makes sense. You know, if they're good enough, which they are, to compete for the Intercontinental title, which is on Raw, you know, actually have Miz maybe beat a cruiserweight in a competitive match, you know, and it doesn't hurt anybody really, does it? You know, it could give someone the... Uh, the help he has. You know, someone like Jack Gallagher giving that opportunity. The fans getting behind you. As Nice goes to slam Alexander down. But again, Alexander kicks out at two. Two. Now, this is the problem. You've only got an hour a week to showcase, you know what I mean? What, 30 wrestlers in all in one go and try and keep everybody happy. I mean, that's the reason Austin Aries left in the end, wasn't it? Because he, he didn't get the win and he thought, well, what's the point of me being stuck here if I'm not actually going to be the champion? Which is a fair point. Everybody here deserves a chance at the champion but when Neville's so dominating as well difficult situation to be in it's just not enough is it really as Nice showing great athleticism there nipping up but Alexander catches him with the kick 
And, ooh, with the hands being elbowed by Alexander, got caught by Nice. Rolls him up, got a handful of tights, but Alexander reverses it, rolls up Nice, and now Nice reverses it, rolls up Alexander, and he had a handful of tights there. Oh, come on, not like that. But, yeah, Nice gets the victory. And is it a big victory for Tony Nice? I mean, is it a little bit of an upset? I think maybe Alexander going into this a little bit more momentum than Nice was last week. What do you think of the match, Dan? Well, it certainly left it open for a bit of controversy. I mean, you know, Nice won it with a handful of tights. But Nice does get the win as we move on to 5 live. And a uh, couple of notes. A <coughs> couple Oops. of notes. A couple of notes. WWE's ended two Smackdowns in a row now by cutting right away when an attack happens. There is no reason why it shouldn't continue on the WWE Network for 205 Live starts. Uh, nice is continuing to deliver promos about the mic during his entrance. The crowd gives him absolutely no reaction to it because they can't hear what he's saying. Well, soon as though Nice isn't even number one contender. <laughs> so that makes him third best at most. Yep. So that means Alexander's going to be fourth best. Yes, Alexander will always be second best to Tony Nice. Yeah, if we're doing the 205 rankings at the moment, would Alexander be fourth? I don't know if that would be a fair assessment of him when you can count everybody else in there. What about Jack Gallagher? What about Brian Kendrick? And what about Naam Dar? Well, we see last week's altercation between Jackie Boy and Kendrick. Well, Jack beating 10 bells of shit out of Brian. Anyway, this week, Kendrick was being interviewed backstage. He may have won the match, but he's certainly losing the war. Exactly, and even his comments there saying that's what he wants, an aggressive Jack Gallagher. I don't know how it plays into anything. Jack Gallagher there comes in with his wrists taped up and he just starts wailing away at the Brian Kendrick. <laughs> Fucking hell. Is this what you wanted, Kendrick? Look at him running away. Well, is this another set of lessons he's teaching Jack how to be more aggressive? Well, if it is, then... Finally, it's working because we haven't seen this, Jack. And he's going to put a beating on Kendrick. I'm, I'm sure of it. You know, what we've seen of him there. It's quite exciting. It's different. And uh, I don't mind it. Because- well, Noam Dar returned this week and insulted his opponent before the match. He faced a man by the name of Mark Thomas. Who? Well, according to Dar, has been wrestling for several years and never made it in the business. The crowd chanted, let's go jobber, as he hit the Scottish supernova with a punch. But Alicia Fox, his ex, easily took control and finished him off with a Nova Roller. This was a squash match in every way, and it did nothing to build Dar back up after his horrendous storyline with Foxy, which ended a few weeks ago. Yeah, but I I think Dar should be turned into a babyface because he was over as a good guy during the Cruiserweight Classic, and his size makes him young dog, even in the Cruiserweight division. You know what I mean? He's a little guy. And I think we've seen Dar. He can play both parts anyway well. Also, chanting Dar's name to Darth Vader's Imperial Death March is always fun. Da, 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 We owe Lucasfilm half a million for that. Up next, we had an interview with Akira Tozawa. Ha! Ha! Well, Akira Tozawa was supposed to be interviewed by Corey Graves about his upcoming Cruiserweight Championship match, but it was quickly interrupted by Neville. The champ tried to hit one solid kick to the head to take him down. The king of the Cruiserweights tried to get back in the ring for more, but the amazing Tozawa sent him packing with another kick. 
This was a short segment, but it did what it was set out to do. Zawa looked strong, making him a threat to the man who has dominated the division since his arrival. Neville has disrespected everyone since he turned heel except Graves. It's a nice nod to their time as a tag team partners in NXT. Ah, I didn't notice that. That's good. And uh, Graves got a nice pop when he started the segment. He couldn't help but smile at the love he was getting from the crowd. Well, interesting enough, though, this was the second week in a row Tyson Hill didn't accompany his client. I mean, what kind of representative is he? Well, you know, where Tazara is supposed to be a face, having someone out in your corner, you know, it's normally there to help you during a match. And Tazawa doesn't need help. So why does he need him out there helping him? Yeah, I mean, if, as long as he's helping build the Tazawa brand, you know, trying to make Akira a bigger star. I mean, we'll see what happens. Well, he's doing along. more for Tazawa than he is for Cruz. He is. Are you looking forward to a Neville Tazawa? Ah! 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 <laughs> and are you looking forward to a Neville Tazawa match at SummerSlam? I am, yes. Yes, fucking yes. hell. You're really positive about SummerSlam at the moment, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> well, we'll talk about it more. Ch- it might change next week. Yeah. Well, after we'll, Raw and SmackDown. We'll talk about it live uh, when we do the build-up for SummerSlam. We move on to our main event. And like we said, the friendly rivalry is building between these two. TJP versus Rich Swan. This looks to be a great match. We'll see how it goes in a moment. They've just been exchanging, as we friends would do with Ringman. And I love this kind of stuff between the two. It kind of reminds me of when Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy used to go against each other, like, you know, in Royal Rumbles, or if, you know, the moment arose and they had no choice but to go against each other, which normally would be in a Royal Rumble. Yeah, but uh, and this is the thing you talk about. With these two guys, they've been battling on the independence for years, so coming here together, you know, you build that kind of chemistry that you have. And as we see, they've been friends, you know, on and off screen, as well, it's going to be an interesting matchup. You know, you would expect TJP maybe to have the advantage in this, just because. I mean, why? Why has he got the advantage in this? <laughs> I was going to say because he's been cruiserweight champion, but so has Rich Swan. He's a man that beat Both him for the former time. cruiserweight yeah. champions. Yeah. But why would TJP have the advantage in this one over Swan? I mean, who would you go for in this one? Because I went for him <laughs> during the. <laughs> In which he won. Yeah. So, you know, he's not let me down. No. And what did he bring to the table? Anybody's not seen TJP. If this is the first time someone's listening to our podcast, Dan, I mean, what does TJP represent for you? uh, I think his brilliant athleticism. You know, he's not just a high-flying artist. He can do things, you know, on a ground level as well. He's brilliant with his feet and arms. You know, he's just an all-round athlete, not just uh, your stereotypical cruiserweight. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you do the high-fly move, but he's such a great technical wrestler. We saw that in abundance in the CWC. Not as much since then, but like Perkins has had that kind of thing, like the, I was going to say the big show, Mark Henry, where you don't know if he is a face or a heel each week. You know, you can come out and act one way, and then the next week come out, act another way. You'll be like, oh, okay, right. He needs to kind of sort that character out. Do you think this feud's going to help him do that in the end? Well, I think he works better as a baby face. Handsome little devil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's I think good-looking blokes always work better as a baby yeah. face. Would you like to see Rich one maybe go to the dark side a little bit in this <laughs> one? Racist. In, in, this, in this kind of feud. Because we haven't... We haven't... Go on. <coughs> We haven't seen this side of Rich Swan, have we? And maybe getting annoyed that TJP has got his number, sends him to do something maybe we didn't think 
he could do, you know, and that's the interesting the dynamic here, isn't it? Everybody expects TJP to maybe take the shortcut, but you never know. Well, you know, I want to see Swan turn it up to that level he turned it up to when he beat TJP for the Cruiserweight Championship. Yeah, exactly right. And we've seen glimpses of it already in this match with Rich Swan diving to the outside and taking Perkins out. Comes back in, and we talk about the wrestling side of it. TJP always seems to have a reversal for Rich Swan. Um, TJP back to his feet now. Put so many ways he could put them away, but Rich Swan, he shows the heart and the toughness, determination of a champion. Well, Swan is a tough. I've heard they can break your arm. <laughs> they can, they can, and he will in this one. If that's what it takes. He'll break his best friend's arm in this match. But at the moment, TJP doesn't have to worry about it because he's got Rich Swan down. Oh, a helo over the top. A bit of a shout out to the late great Eddie Guerrero there. There are certain sides of that moves he does that. You know, obviously, TJP is a young guy got influenced by these these wrestlers, you know, and the Guerrero, we're saying, isn't it, the kind of moves that he does. Not that I'm saying, obviously, he is like yeah. Eddie Guerrero, but you know what I mean? You're obviously going to have that. TJP has the advantage over Rich Swan. There's no doubt about it. But who's faster between these two? Oh, I, I think they're quite close. Yeah, I think I maybe, maybe tip my hat towards Rich Swan in that department just because... Otherwise, Perkins wins in a lot of others. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then... Well, I think Swan's more of a risk taker than TJP. Well, he needs to take a risk in this one to get back in it as he's trying to even get off his back. The arm lock there. And that's how he gets out of that by doing a standing backflip. Runs into the corner, but <laughs> Swan, uh, Perkins tries following up. He gets hit with a back elbow, goes up to the second rope for a splash, but Swan, lovely there, moving out the way. <laughs> Both men avoiding each other's aerial offence. We're back to square one. So equals we've seen in this match. Every Elliot have an answer for each move. But do you think these two are the uh, next in line for a, well, a potential another championship run each? I think they are. I mean, we talked about rankings earlier with Alexandra and Nice. I think TJP and Swan are ahead of them in that, you know, and I think they do deserve the chance. But doesn't that depend on who wins? Because, you know, these two both for the time, if Tazawa wins, he's also a face himself. Yeah, if Tazawa wins, he needs Nisi to jump straight back up there unless he gives, like, Daraz a fucking fight versus him. You know, they've put themselves in a situation. I'm sure if Tazawa does win, Neville's going to have a fair few uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. rematches. But it's like NXT, isn't it? They're kind of built a certain way, but they could always turn it around so you think, oh, shit, maybe they're just fooling us, you know? As Rich Swan there, absolutely beautiful, catching Perkins off the top rope. Hurricane Runner showed a replay, guys in the back. It was a lovely move. And now Rich Swan trying to pick Perkins up, put him away. Pick Perkins up, put him away. Maybe Tiger Suplex, but look at TJP strength. Uh, picks him up, but Swan with a backslide. <coughs> TJP goes, rolls through and uh, manages to pick the leg, trying to get that. TJP clutch locked in or the TJP leg bar. Oh, has he got him? No, Swan managing to just roll it away. Oh! Nearly knocks Perkins' head off there with a lovely spinning heel kick. Well, he calls that the rich kicker now. Look at <laughs> Swan! Oh! Handspring backflip there. Splashes on top of Perkins. Only gets a two count though. Two! Rich Swan. Can he believe it? But Perkins managed to get the shoulder up. Come on now, boys. Let's turn this into a classic, you know what I mean? <laughs> really start going into it. Swan there getting Perkins lined up. Going to go up top. Taking his sweet-ass time about it, though. 
Here we go. Rich Swan. The Swan's about to fly. Oh! Corkscrew 450, I think. And Perkins <laughs> managed to roll out the way. Swan hit nothing but Matt. Oh! Trying to get him down with a... Oh, my God. I was about to say, Perkins trying to get Swan down. Swan catches him with a pin. Managing to kick out. Detonation kick. No, Swan with the backslide. Each man scouted the other one as Swan managing to stick his boot up. And now he's he's on Perkins' shoulders. Oh, oh electric chair and Swan, the back of his head, hit the top turnbuckle there. That looked quite deadly. Now Swan's up. Detonation kick. This could be it for Perkins. One, two, three. Oh. TJP with a victory. Uh, you've got enough energy to celebrate as well. Well, TJP gets the job done. What do you think of the match, Dan? I thought it was brilliant for a friendly. <laughs> <laughs> Could this lead to something more serious between these two guys? Well, it'll be interesting to see the reaction of Rich Swan in defeat now, isn't he? Because TJP has been saying that he's one. It would be interesting. But, I mean, the impact to the back of the head, or not only on the turnbuckle, but the detonation kick as well. And he's not dabbing as much as he's just done a dab there. But, it, you know, that's... Yeah. He's entitled to maybe... Dab and now is Swan gloating in front of Rich Swan. Uh, is TJP gloating in front of Rich Swan's face now? He is. You don't want to do that. You don't want to poke a hornet's nest. What a tremendous match that was, wasn't it? That was bloody marvellous. Well, the crowd woke up again for this match. We talk about notes about it. Uh, people were cheering and chanting almost the entire time, which is what we need to see more of on 205 Live. Jump in from the mat to deliver a hurricane runner to someone sitting on the top turnbuckle is easily Swan's most exciting move in his back. I like you say, that shot Swan to, took to the back of the head, looked painful, and hits the air. It always look more dangerous because you don't see them coming. You see the end there off for Swan, but a great match. Fair play to him. Uh, what have you thought of 205 Live? I thought it's been quite entertaining this week. From the first match, the Tony Nice going against Cedric Alexander, you know, the way that finished quite concrete opened a bit for them. It wasn't a bad contest between the two. You know, seeing a Kira Tazawa there with his vicious side, even seeing Jack Gallagher with his vicious side yeah. as well, you know, going against their respective opponents. So very interesting there. See Rich from walk to the back, TJP comes up to him. What's he say, Dan? He says, look, you know, I was doing this just because, you know, the moment and, uh, I thought you was better than this. I thought you could handle this. And he said, and Swan's reply to that was? Well, he says, I'm getting to know the real TJP now. Network programmes. Stuff that we've had, July 17th. Uh, table for free. The Nation Reunited as the Godfather. We talked about that on WWE versus WCW, Dan, didn't we? Uh, yes, we did. We had uh, July 24th, it was Table Free. It was Talking Shop. And who was on it, Dan? Lita, Renee Young and Corey Graves. And they dish on everything from career triumphs to their love of Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, and then we had Kurt Angle exclusive interview, which, uh, well, on Raw, because I am the Raw guy, we had the storyline. We've not actually spoken about it yet, Dan, I don't think. We had announced as Kurt Angle's... Uh, illegitimate son. Illegitimate son. I mean, what what was your thoughts on it? I think it's quite ridiculous, to be honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know. Why, were you hoping it was going to be Mojo? <laughs> oh, either Mojo or Enzo. I, 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 first off, I love American Alpha. I was a huge fan of them. 
I'm so shocked that they split that team up. That team, for me, with money, do you know what I mean? I just thought they were going to have such a bright future. Part of the reason, they wondered if they were going to have, you know, if it was going to be Chad Gable or Jason Jordan. They said the reason why it was Jason Jordan because Kurt Angle had a little bit of a penchant for um, the black persuasion, shall we say. Is it worth splitting up a, a tag team that was great? No, I don't think it is, but... It's, I mean, they might have it for a long haul. I can't believe you brought Kurt Angle back and they're doing this to him. Like, do you know what I mean? It is, it's payback, I think, a little bit for past uh, misdemeanours. It looks like they're going forward with Jordan versus The Miz at SummerSlam for the IC title. Whether they had Jordan win it there or not. But, obviously, they've got plans for him, haven't they? And with Angle in his corner, I think it can only be a good thing for the time being. It's weird, though. It is, it is... Did you see the Miz TV segment? I did not. Where what? Jason Jordan suplexed Miz into the Miztourage. So there we go. So if he, he could be a mini angle, but then again, you know, I bet Jack Swagger's kicking himself saying, I wish Angle was about five years ago. <laughs> that would have worked. Well, um, <clears throat> saying that on last week's SmackDown, Jason Jordan, uh, sorry, Chad Gable was using the angle lock. Oh, was he? Against uh, Rusev. Oh, I don't know if we spoke about it, but there was a smacking talk they had. Daniel Bryan, when they were young, had Chad Gable on it, and they asked him, uh, and, and they had a paternity test, they found out Chad Gable's dad was actually Daniel Bryan. So they did that on there. So who knows what else could happen, you know? It's a strange, interesting yes. thing. Yes, yes. Uh, we move on anyway, and the W Network celebrated Triple H's birthday. He turned 48 on the 27th of July. King of Kings, with Triple H, thy kingdom come, will then be followed by three events. Triple H's first WCW pay-per-view match, his first Intercontinental title win, and a 2016 Royal Rumble where he captured the WWE Championship. So, just in case we didn't have enough Triple H, they're doing a little bit more, you know? So, a little another collection. Uh, we then had WWE bring it to the table, which was under Monday, after Monday Night Raw. You mentioned something about JBL and... JBL and Corey Graves confirm rumours about Enzo Amore being hated by the WWE locker room. <laughs> so I don't know what he's done to the locker room. JBL, Corey Graves, Peter Rosen both touched on the Brock Lesnar versus John Jones situation, which we're going to get into a lot of detail about in a little bit. And between Sasha Banks and Alexa Bliss, WWE's network uh, bring it to the table probably deliver its strongest episode on July 31st. Mainly that's because the three hosts have developed an entertaining camaraderie with each other. They butt heads and disagree as an opinion show like this requires but they also appear to be having fun and enjoying themselves it's a big step up from earlier episodes where jbl and first paul Heyman, then his replacement graves mocked and ridiculed rosenberg as a fan surrogate well their best example of this came during a topic entitled by the book where rosenberg asked the raw and smackdown come truth to persistent rumors of a list of banned phrases talent aren't supposed to use on WWE programming both Graves and Layfield denied there were anything more than strongly worded suggestions. They used preferred terms, so Rosenberg tried another tact, asking Zevin an agenda to use a certain word. Like calling the Punjabi prison a structure. JBL denied it, but then Rosenberg called for production to roll this tape, having uh, proving the Battleground announced team used the word 64 times during the <laughs> July 23rd main event. Well, clearly busted. Layfield's response to Rosenberg's laughter was... You're an arsehole. Is that banned? <laughs> That's good stuff. That's the sixth episode of Bring It to the Table. We've had a couple of collections out of this month. Dan, do you want to tell us the first one? Well, WWE have had nearly 200 episodes of footage on the network, including ECW, WCCW and WWE. Oh, 
Um, they're now available on demand on WWE Network. You can watch the final year of WWE's ECW franchise, various classic episodes of the World Class Championship Wrestling, spanning from 1981 to 1985, and unforgettable WWE old-school shows from the Philadelphia Spectrum, Los Angeles Sports Arena, and the Boston Garden. Yeah, so not bad. I mean, they're just filling it out. I mean, WWE has so much content in the vaults to add to the, the network. We talked about the ECW shows last month, see if they're going to add any more. Now we've got the whole collection, that's good. Yeah, well, I think there's, you know, there's just so much they've got to go through to kind of vet it a bit and... You know, do what they can to try and make it a bit more family-friendly. Yeah. Uh, next collection, Kurt Angle. It's true. It's tr- back home from the Olympic Heroes WWE debut to his Hall of Fame induction earlier this year. Don't miss the very best of Angle in all this new WWE collection. The reason I'm laughing, because it basically covers everything we did from the WNR Kurt Angle special episode 98. It's got his last match against Randy Orton in there. It's got his uh, match against Chris Jericho from No Way Out that we covered. Also, all the points that we'd done. So, little uh, tap on our back. We were a couple of months ahead of the WWE there. And finally, Dan? It's something that I've been delving into quite a bit recently, and it's... uh... A journey deep into the archives for these rarely seen moments and matches from a couple of then unknown performing on national televisions to an unaired classic between Seth Rollins and Cesaro. You don't want to miss these hidden gems and uh, the latest one, the Destroyer and a Fallen Angel, which is Samoa Joe going against Christopher Daniels from the year 2001. Yeah, I mean, and the reason, 14th of March, so this was basically a week here or there between WrestleMania 17. You consider that major event. Major event. And now you consider what happened since then with uh, Joe and Christopher Daniels. Anybody who doesn't know Christopher Daniels, he's a guy that should be should have been in the WWE uh, years ago because he was such a great talent. Just never worked out. He's formed a great tag team with uh, Frankie Kazarian now in Ring of Honor and it was in part of TNA. Fantastic. And, of course, part of the triple threat match, AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, that was at TNA. And he, he was, it's just fantastic work. What do you think of Christopher Daniels? Yeah, you know, he's, he's a great worker. I've not seen too much of Daniels. You know, I've definitely seen that famous X Division match that Joe, Styles and Daniels had, but, yeah, you know, he's, he seems like a good talent to have around the WWE. Yeah, uh, and, and he's, uh, he's an integral part of Ring of Honor, former Ring of Honor champion. But it's interesting that he would be involved on the WWE Network uh, because of this, do you know what I mean? He's not really, he's had a few dark matches, velocity and stuff like this, but never had an extended run. It's more interesting about Samoa Joe because the Joe in the ring now is night and day to what the Joe we are accustomed to. As you can see just by his look, can't you, you know? I mean, he's uh, wearing... blonde hair. Yeah, bleach blonde. What is he wearing, Dan? Uh, he's wearing some tracksuit bottoms and a vest top with his bleach blonde hair. And, yeah, he just... The Samoa Joe that we know and love. Yeah, I mean, Joe wouldn't have the character of this until he went to Ring of Honor and they created this kind of uh, killer... Joe, which you would then become renowned for. I mean, these are obviously just the highlights of the show because you've seen how easy and over it's done. Uh, but it, I tell you what, even it's 2001, it looks like we're watching a 70s match, doesn't it? You know? Oh, it looks ancient. <laughs> it looks awful. Oh! But Christopher Daniels there got a pin on Samoa Joe. A wrestler came in from the back, counted the three. The referee said, Well, it wasn't me. 
Samoa Joe with a step up in Seguri slams Daniels down to the mat and the referee finally counts the three giving the victory to Samoa Joe and then the bloke that counted Samoa Joe down for the three beforehand come in and just raised Joe's hand well sure that is I don't know if that's Sean Stasiak but now we see another camera angle <laughs> terrible grainy footage I mean it's just, it's just, it's this just is know. awful for 2001. I've seen stuff from the 70s that looks better than uh, this. That's what I say to you, yeah. I mean, it looked in black and white for some strange reason. But Crystal Daniels there. I mean, do you think WWE, we talk about better than this, do you think WWE will make a play to try and get Ring of Honor's um, TV library because you consider all the talent in WWE now that they could have? Do you think that would be worthwhile? Um... Yeah, potentially, but I think that'd probably mean buying out Ring of Honor as well, wouldn't it? Or you know, even putting them in in part of the deal so they get a bit of commission yeah. from the network sales. I think the network sales are worth too much to, for, to WWE for them to want to share. Oh yeah, any bit of them with Ring of Honor. I mean, Ring of Honor, right? I mean, they were talk, weren't they, about trying to buy Impact Library to have these matches and. Be interesting if WWE just, you know what I mean, not itchy feet, but just decides, oh, fuck it, we'll take out the rest of the scene yet again. You know, people just buy the two companies, fuck them off, and then, you know, we'll have another couple of friendships. But then, you know, in the years after WWE bought out ECW and WCW, don't you think they got a bit sloppy? Yes, they did, yeah. And then it didn't pick up again until, like, you know, NJPW was big, TNA was a bit bigger... And, you know, they had a bit of competition. Yeah. <laughs> well, as we say, WWE thrives on competition. Look at this snazzy motherfucker. Is that an Intercontinental Championship? I think it is. Well, the destroyer Samoa Joe and UPW. Dan, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, he's certainly come a long way in fashion sense and wrestling sense. Uh, there are better matches on there, trust us. Go through the collection, see them all. Uh, and that's what's good about the network, bringing to light maybe stuff that you didn't even know was on the WWE Network. Uh, next programme that we had, new programme, Table for Free. This was an interesting one, Dan. Yes, um... DDP, Scott Hall and Sean Waltman, they gathered together over dinner to recount tales of WCW versus the NWO in a special Monday Night War reunion on this edition. Yeah, and we will cover this on our next episode of the WWE versus WCW Monday Night Wars in September. So news from the week, and we're going to get into it. What a time it is to be alive if you're a fan of both the UFC and the WWE. There simply have never been so much crossover talk between the two companies than there is right now. First and foremost, there's the obvious buzz in the wake of UFC 214 surrounding a potential super fight between UFC light heavyweight champion John Jones and former heavyweight champ Brock Lesnar, the current Universal Champion. There's also the fact that former UFC women's bantamweight champion Ronda Rousey recently attended... Oh, fuck me. Spoilers. Recently attended WWE's first women's tournament. 
My young classic. Trying to That's my pick! <laughs> yeah. Anyway, perhaps find a bit under the radar loads the social media feud between newly crowned UFC Women's Featherweight Champion Christine Justino and WWE star Becky Lynch. It started weeks ago and continued on with both women teasing a match or an encounter of some sort at WWE SummerSlam pay-per-view. Here is a sampling. They made a deal to face each other hours before UFC 214. Let's make a deal. If I win tonight in Cali and you win tonight in Detroit, you agree to sign a SummerSlam contract. Don't be scared. Well, that's what she said. What did Becky Lynch say back? Uh, I'm scared of No, nothing. she didn't. What did she say back? Oh, Becky Lynch. What, Lynch made a video? No, no, no. Becky, no. I want oh. you to... I'm scared of nothing. <laughs> I had that in my head. <laughs> Yeah, Lynch, I'm just going to get you quite what Lynch said. Uh, Lynch read a video calling out Cyborg. She walked out to the octagon, octagon at UFC 214. Uh, Cyborg asked WWE star and executive Triple H to make a match happen after a victory. She said, I won my UFC 214 fight. Now I want Becky Lynch. Uh, Cyborg followed up with some more trash talk. She says, I hear Becky Lynch thinks she can armbar me. You can tell someone to tell the W what happened to the last girl fans thought they could armbar me. Uh, don't be scared, homie. El- oh, fuck that. I'm not going to say that. Eu quero representar o Brasilia. Yeah. Uh, Cyber came out of a UFC 2-4 win over Tonya Avenger pretty much unscathed, which seemingly leaves the door open for a quick turnaround to compete. I mean, perform at some time in under three weeks. Please get more interest for these two until then. And we're going to have a couple more updates, I think, as it went on. Uh, up next, Brock returning to the UFC. The UFC 214, uh, the third round stoppage, Daniel Cormier on Saturday. Jones said, we should mention first the fights. I do watch a lot of UFC. And John Jones is probably one of the greatest fighters that ever lived. And Cormier is so good. What's really good about Cormier, he takes a wrestling uh, not the wrestling seriously, but he knows the storyline and the Does play about John it. Jones turn into the Martian? John Jones has only got one defeat against him, and that's because he used illegal elbows, apparently, even though he won the match and was disqualified. So he's not had a defeat. Cormier only lost to John Jones, and he's not lost to anybody else. Story about it. And uh, Cormier was doing so good up until the third round, then this huge fucking kick just knocked Cormier silly. And Cormier never been stopped, was taken out by John Jones. Like he said, he, John Jones got on the mic and said, Brock Lesnar, if you want to know what it's like to get your ass kicked by a guy who weighs 40 pounds less, meet me in the Opticon. And what did Lesnar say to that, Dan? Uh, well, it wasn't Lesnar, it was Paul Heyman. And he said, well, my client, Brock Lesnar. <laughs> Says, be careful what you wish for, young man. Well, Lesnar is 14. He remains one of the biggest draws in MMA. And about with Jones, who's 30, will get UFC fans excited. Does that get you excited, James? Honestly, that is, for me, one of the biggest fights that could happen. John Jones versus Lesnar. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, Lesnar was such a beast in UFC. Such a huge man. John Jones is fantastic. And I, I wouldn't know which way. If Lesnar get older, Jones, it might be different. But John Jones, his striking is incredible. And it would just be, I'll be more excited to watch that fight than I will be watching Mayweather versus McGregor. Uh, I will say that. Well, Mayweather McGregor is a bit of a one-sided fight, but we won't get into no. that now. We'll probably do a little podcast special on the Mayweather McGregor bit, are, but that's yeah. a little way off. Yeah, Jones added anyway. He said, we're serious about it and it would be great for the May world. It would bring more of the general public to mixed martial arts and it's what we need. Would you want to go see a Brock Lesnar versus John... Would you watch a Brock Lesnar versus John Jones fight, Dan? Oh, most definitely, yes. 
So, after all this, all this talk about Dana White saying he's never spoken to him, he said eventually at the post-fight press conference, he said, he's remind us all that it's happening, it isn't happening anytime soon. He said, I guess Lesnar just talked to the AP and said, be careful what you wish for, young man. Listen, Lesnar, it would take six months for him to get him through the USADA to fight. It's fun to talk about the reality of it happening anytime soon. It's not a reality. But that doesn't mean it's not happening at all. Tick. Talk. Well, there was talk about it doing it happening in December. Like I say, if if less than these two months, if he does lose the title at SummerSlam, that would give him enough time to fight. Would he be allowed to? Would it mean if he lost badly, would he be able to cover WrestleMania? Would he sign a contract extension with WWE and then do it happening in June? I mean, what would you want to see, Dan? I'd like to see him carry on his, uh, you know, his obligations in WrestleMania, and then because so he can just solely concentrate on. UFC, you know, I wouldn't with other distractions. I know, like WWE, shouldn't be too much of a distraction. It's not as if he's there full time anyway. But you know, I'd like to see it, you know, go out of the wayside and just so he can concentrate on his UFC fight. Yeah. So after WrestleMania, but then you know, around January time, he could go into the drug testing pool, stay clean for six months, you know, and then do it that way. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens. But we're hopefully seeing the fight because, like you said, for some reason, for me especially in recent times, Lesnar is just far better in the UFC than he is in the WWE, and I don't know why it is, because maybe it is not wrestling, do you know what I mean? It's not competitive between two men, but that's a whole different subject. Also, The Rock appeared at UFC 214. Great one, who has noted his past desires to become an MMA fighter before, is a big fan of the UFC, and was seen to be taking pictures with new champions Chris Cyborg and John Jones. We're going to move on from that, and we're going to talk about the Joe Dan. After Brock Lesnar outlasted Samoa Joe on Saturday to retain the Universal Championship, the Joe Lewis Arena in Detroit closed for good. The famed arena is more well known for hosting the Detroit Red Wings hockey games, but it housed its fair share of WWE action over the years. Per the Internet Wrestling Database, the Joe welcomed 14 editions of Raw, 13 episodes of SmackDown and 7 pay-per-views. It was the site of the Survivor Series 1991 where Undertaker dethroned Hulk Hogan as world champ. It hosted Randy Orton's 2009 Royal Rumble win and Angle made his WWE debut there at Survivor Series 1999. Detroit fans will now have to go to the Little Caesars Arena to catch WWE stars including when the city hosts Hell in a Cell later this year. The building's name doesn't quite have the ring to it as the Joe. No, that's a bit of a shame, isn't it? I mean, I always enjoyed... I mean, arenas don't have that... I don't... You know, you say arenas don't have that much effect. I think they do, you know. I think like Chicago, Rosemont Horizon, or London, the O2, certain atmospheres at stadiums. And I think this was one of them as well. But John, the show, he cut a promo. AJ Styles said a few words, but no one was better than Kevin Owens. He said, it's hard to say goodbye... Except if you're Kevin Owens. <laughs> farewell. Uh, Detroit, farewell to the Joe. Uh, next up, we were talking about earlier, Mayweather. Uh, May- Mayweather wants UK viewers to be charged £100 to watch his fight with <laughs> Conor McGregor. Which, if that was to happen, I can guarantee you 99% of the people watching it will stream it illegally. Exactly. And then this is the problem as well. I've had this conversation. It is fucking ridiculous to charge that amount of money, you know. Uh, Sky, who are broadcasting a Las Vegas scrap live on these shores, plan to offer it for 19.95, which is in line with how much boxing fans usually pay to watch the biggest fights. 
But that, in some way, short of how much Mayweather's hoping the public will be forced to fork out. Hearn is still confident Sky will not cave in to Mayweather's demands, though, and will set the price at their usual price. US viewers will have to pay $99 to televise the fight, which is on August the 26th, the same as they were charged when money took on Man- when Mayweather took on Pacquiao in 2015. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, I know, like, WrestleMania HD was, like, $75 or something like this, but... I mean, $100 for boxing is mental. A ticket sales for the fight have got off to a slow start <laughs> after prices started from £2,665. Who would have imagined that? Even on Ticketmaster, you know you get a little code you put in if you want to be a part of the line, charging £200 on eBay to get that little code just to apply for tickets, not getting a ticket, guaranteed. It was fucking gaga. Well, it's stupid how companies make money off other companies making money. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's mental. So we move on from the boxing, and we're going to go to uh, Dan's GWF corner. I think it's called. You've been watching a lot of it recently, haven't you? I have only because it's it's on Friday nights at nine o'clock on Spike TV, which is a free channel for Freeview Box. You know, for Freeview in England. So you know, but what it features a few of the older faces. You know, even Grado, who we've seen live, and you know, it, it's entertaining to say the least yes you know i'll give it that yeah it's wrestling is it we've got you've got to love all wrestling you know you can't just i'm uh, not a fan of the six-sided ring but i yeah, like the six-sided ring i mean i used to watch tna back i don't say when back it was, when it was TNA. good <laughs> yeah back when uh you had you know the, the legendary joe Avis, styles joe styles daniels yeah the, that triple threat was, yeah i thought it was that is wrestling. the first match i ever saw of tna the x division <laughs> match when aj styles got turned inside out hanging from the like the Fix. Yeah, exactly, hanging from the raft. Innovative. They were, Dan, and then this is the thing, and, and WWE NXT has basically taken all of that good stuff and then put it into their show, which, not a bad thing, but I was like, you've, you've been watching the events. I mean, we've been talking about it as well, you know, Paige. So the latest item for a busy news cycle for Global Force Wrestling, champion Alberto Patron will be stepping down as president of the Mixed Martial Arts Promotion of Combat America. El Patron and his fiance Paige are at the centre of an investigation into an incident which occurred on Sunday, July 9th at Orlando International Airport, one for which WWE superstar Paige may be charged with domestic violence battery. While GFW has suspended him, they haven't made any other decisions about his future with the company. A British independent pro wrestling promotion owned by Paige's father stripped him of their belt earlier this week. Now the CEO of the Hispanic MMA company and friend of El Patron, Campbell McLaren, has told MMA Uno Alberto, oh, MMA Uno, Alberto is stepping back his official rows from combat. Officially, McLaren says this is to focus exclusively on pro wrestling over the next year or two, while he's still at an, at an age and in shape to excel in that business. El Patron will continue to be a presence at combat events as a fan and guest of the CEO per this interview. Yeah, but it's impossible not to speculate about connections between this announcement and Alberto and Paige's chaotic and headline-grabbing personal life. Follow, surely. Don't call me Shirley. Well, well there was. There is more. Yeah, the, yeah, the Laura, both Paige and Alberto, have released a police case report stemming from the airplay, airport altercation between the couple earlier this month with a message clarifying the situation. The police case reports in the original tweet will be shown down below, but the report showed that the weapon was 
hand slash fist slash feet by Page and El Patron is listed as a victim in this situation. As Page explained herself on Twitter, the lawyer, Keith McMahon, would no say... No relative to Vince. No, but what a choice. What a choice, you know. The irony in it is Mr. McMahon. She's like, oh, no, and he goes, hi, I'm Keith. <laughs> um, he would say the following, Dan. This last month was marked false reports by untrained reporters not doing their due diligence. Now, the official report stating what actually happened, I would like to thank everyone that supported my clients and never read into false reports posted on the internet by reporters trying to earn a quick buck by defaming and hurting my clients and their families, including Alberto's three innocent children. As you can see, there was no alcohol or drugs and no arrests, no physical harm to one another, just an argument between a couple that's that others exploited. Thank you to everyone who believed in them. God bless you all. Now that, God bless you all, right yeah, to the heart. That puts a point on it, doesn't it? And the following tweet me uh, would then include a police case for the original measures shown above. Uh, while the situation seems to be now resolved, I mean, if you get any new uh, information on it, we'll let you know, of course. We try to speak to Dutch Mantel whether the indefinite suspension had been lifted, to which Mantel would explain he's still suspended and will remain such until the internal that, investigation that, is complete. Um, Dutch Mantel, he looks a lot like that Seb Coulter. He does, doesn't he? Yeah, I know. I, it's weird. Must be his twin. Finishing up on page now. Hey, Thank a you. few wrestlers have. <laughs> yeah, I know. After fielding questions about her relationship with Alberto El Patron and the highly publicised altercation the two were in at Orlando Airport, the folks that busted open radio on Sirius XM, XM got around to asking about her status within pro wrestling. To that end, she was excited to give an update on her recovery from neck surgery. I just had my CT scan today and I'll do my last checkup on Monday with my good friend and doctor, Dr. Uribe in Arizona. Hopefully I'll be back sooner rather than later, but I don't know at this point. I don't know where it's at, but I can't wait to get back to work. It's been six October 19th that I had my surgery, so it's been a while. So I'm like, just get me back. I want to be wrestling again. It feels so weird not to be wrestling for so long. I got to travel a little bit with Alberto, but it's not the same when you're not in the ring yourself. I'm excited to get back to WWE. Well, it's unclear where WWE stands with Paige and all the recent developments, as the company never weighed in on it publicly. But Paige has been an integral part of the women's division for a number of years. It's been doing just fine without her, with a number of talented wrestlers coming up. And she noticed and can't wait to get back in and mix it up with them. I'm excited to see the girls again. All the female athletes that have been texting me, I'm just really, really happy and I'm excited to see people. I'm excited to see the fans again. I'm just excited to I'm excited to see Alexa Bliss. I hope to see Nikki Bella back soon. All the new girls, Nia Jax, Carmella, just to see all the new girls. Bailey, I'm so happy she's doing well. The same girls, Becky, Sasha, Charlotte, Natty, everyone. I'm just so excited to see them all. Naomi, I'm so happy she's champ right now and I'm really excited for her. Do you think she's happy and excited about it, Dan? I think she's just a little bit happy and a little bit excited. Here's to hoping the future page stories are in the ring and not about her personal relationship. Well, I hope not. That's most of our material every month. So, we have talk about rumours. Rumour has it. Rumour has it. Well, you have to put them somewhere, Dan. <laughs> 
Stables have been <laughs> been a thing in wrestling for many years now, and there's no reason they still can't be around today. NXT isn't one to use them very often, though. It would make sense to put them together when there is so much talent going around. It turns out the WWE might be thinking of the same thing, because in NXT they're considering to put a lot of these recent Ring of Honor talents together in a stable. While not mentioned, possible names... While not mentioned, possible names could include Bobby Fish. Bobby Fish. <laughs> Bobby Fish and Carla Riley, both of them made their debuts within the last month. As previously noted, CageMat.net's wrestling database revealed that Kurt Hawkins has now lost 100 matches in a row. <laughs> Hawkins' last victory was in a match against Apollo Crews on the November 8th episode of SmackDown Live. Finn Balor took to his Twitter account to congratulate him on this milestone. Congratulations for losing 100 matches in a row, and the picture featured Balor smiling with Hawkins in the background. Well, I tell you something, even though he's lost 100 matches, I mean, fair play to still be employed with the WWE, isn't it, you know? Well, you know, again, it's... Uh... I think he's just trying to do the reverse Undertaker WrestleMania thing and, <laughs> you know, try and keep this streak going. And for someone to lose to him, does that take something away from him? I think it would, you know. This kind of losing streak could be legendary, you know. The, this generation's Barry Horowitz, you know, on this kind of undefeated, uh, on, on this defeated streak for however long he is in the WWE. Injury news now. And according to correspondence in attendance for the WWE Live event in Cocoa, Florida, Buddy Murphy appeared to have suffered some sort of ankle or leg injury as he went down during his tag team main event with Cassius Sino versus Hideo Tami and the Velveteen Dream. Following the injury, a WWE trainer came down to assist Murphy, but he appeared to insist on staying in the match. Referee Jake Wirtz then came down to ringside and appeared to convince Murphy to leave the match to get the injury attended to. And of course, the match by himself but I'm a big fan of Buddy Murphy he's my um one of my three guys in NXT and it's a shame but hopefully he can maybe be repackaged and then come back unless he's released because uh you know we don't want that to happen but anyway more injury news Dan uh yes WWE announced Bailey suffered a right shoulder injury during a match against Nia Jax during Monday night's Raw episode um we've determined the injury is shoulder related and she will be going under further diagnostic testing later this week to determine the extent of the injury and also to establish a timetable for recovery, Dr. Chris Aman said in a statement. Uh, the injury occurred when Jax threw her out of the ring during the match, and Bailey barely used her arm for the rest of the contest. Yeah, uh, even though she did use it post-match altercation with Alexa Bliss, she said everything just tensed up around it. I've never had an injury like this before, so I can't really know what it is. I guess we're going to see. Well, Dan, is it real? Is it still... Um, well, we have seen, and Bailey will be unable to challenge Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's Championship at SummerSlam on October 20th in New York City. Um, so basically what's happened since then is uh, Nia Jax won a triple threat match and Sasha Banks won a triple threat match and they will both be facing next week on Raw to determine who's going to be the new number one contender for Alexa Bliss. Yeah, so that we asked. Is it real storyline work, shoot, okay, fabe? Lots of the week preceding this news uh, to talk about. Finn Balor said, thinking of my friend, Bailey, no way, Jose. So sorry to hear about your injury. Uh, hoping for the best. Get well soon. Dan, a couple of... Renee Young 
Peyton Royce at the top. Oh, Peyton Royce said, uh, get better soon, sister, thinking of you. No, she didn't. What did she say? She said, get better soon, sister, <laughs> thinking of you. Uh, I think sending heaps of hugs to Bailey is so heal her... Sh- I think sending heaps of hugs to Bailey will heal her shoulder faster than if we didn't send hugs. So how's there? No hug emoji. Let's use this emoji. <laughs> Get better soon, it's Bailey. <laughs> Renee Young. Yep, go on. Uh, my heart goes out to you, Bailey. You are stronger and will overcome this and be stronger than ever. The WWE Universe and you stay positive. From Charlotte Flair. <laughs> Charlotte Flair as well, that's what I'd say. Oh, Charlotte Flair said... Yeah, Bailey said, at least my hair looks cute, though. She said, thanks for love, everyone. Trying to keep my best. Uh, trying to try my best to keep positive. And while one of the big theories about why this is a work, that's not true anymore. Uh, but Sasha Banks did say, Mum, keep those positive vibes flowing. And we'll let you know as soon as we hear something about Bailey. What the fuck? Sasha Banks also said, get well soon. Bailey. Uh, what bit was that bit? <laughs> so that's, we haven't done that bit either yet, have we? All right. So, yeah, like you said, Dan, she's injured. Uh, are you upset about Bailey's injury? Um, yes, I am. You know, she managed to overcome Nia Jax and get herself the number one contendership shot. But, you know, they've had to move on and uh, try and overcome it. And I think it'll be a good match, whoever it is, if it's going to be Nia Jax or uh, Sasha Banks. Yeah, and we'll talk more about this on our kickoff show for SummerSlam. But we move on, and the top guys just can't catch a break. <laughs> well, maybe they can, because they are out of the picture for SummerSlam after WWE announced Monday that Scott Dawson suffered a ruptured bicep. The revival weren't yet announced for a match at SummerSlam, but almost certain wouldn't have taken part. Were, uh, would have taken part if it wasn't for Dawson's injury. Then with both the Hardy Boys and Luke Gallows and Carl Anson in recent weeks, it's unclear how long the injury will sideline Dawson. But at the very least, he'll be unable to wrestle at SummerSlam on October 20th in Brooklyn, New York. The injury comes after Dawson's tag team partner, Dash Wilder, suffered a fractured jaw in April that kept the revival out until June. Yeah, they've not been lucky, have they, this year? And hopefully they can start again. The the latest word on it is that maybe Scott Dawson won't be able to come back until December. The revival will have to start 2018 fresh. Uh, arrivals, and there is yet another former Ring of Honor star headed to the WWE. Uh, Donovan Dijak said he was finishing up with his independent bookings. He would finish up the remainder of his dates over the next couple of weeks and then head to the WWE Performance Centre next month. Top of the page, dear. Uh, Dijak has been on WWE's radar since last January. He had, a, he had an offer from WWE in January, but it was rescinded because he uh, because of legal threats from Ring of Honor due to alleged contract tampering. He was in limbo for a few months after opting not to sign a new Ring of Honor contract in February. And uh, Diak, a a three-sport athlete in high school, led his football team in tackles and sacks during his junior year and senior year. Uh, He also led the basketball team in rebounding during his senior year and earned an all-league honours in both sports. He made his Ring of Honor debut in 2014 and announced his departure in February. That uh, uh, that announcement helped fuel the rumours about his future in WWE. Yes, yeah, so another ring of another guy on his way. Rey Mysterio might be coming back to the WWE. Dan, what do you think about that? Um, yeah, you know he did definitely bring his own uh, his own unique way of 
wrestling, I suppose. And yeah, you know, why not? I'm all for it. Yeah. We spoke about Mysterio making a possible return to the company after many years away. Well, not. Yeah, I should say we didn't. And yeah, this is kind of the update from it. And it's not anymore. Go on, continue, sorry. Well, this, of course, means GFW, assuming Lucha Underground is out of the running, pending its fourth season, becomes the front-runner for Mysterio's services. Considering his name, power, and ability to keep himself out of the headlines, he seems like a real candidate to become the top guy with that promotion, assuming they can reach a deal. For now, we just have to wait a little longer for Mysterio to return to WWE. He'll almost surely be back someday, Don't just not any time soon. <laughs> well, as far as Mysterio goes, future Hall of Famer? Uh, I think most definitely, but I don't know if he'll ever wrestle in the WWE again because I think his knees are shot anyway. What can he give us? Uh, uh, like we talked about Star Power last time, but it's obviously Vincent Mann is not interested, so there we go. All right, we move on now to departures, and well, I can exclusively report that WWE is released. NXT wrestler Ho Ho Lun. Uh, Lun, who founded the Hong Kong Pro Wrestling Federation, signed with WWE in 2016 and was participant in WWE Cruiserweight Classic. He defeated the real Devara in the first round, but was eliminated in the second round by my man, Noam Dar. Lun, Lun last wrestled for NXT in the television tapings in late June, where he was defeated by the Velveteen Dream. He was my Iceland pick, and he's no more. The only one I have left in the WWE now is... Noam Dar. Uh, news is as well that he actually asked for his release from the WWE Ho Ho Long due to personal reasons, so it might be just a matter of time. So, Dan. Um, I've still got TJP. <laughs> yeah. Who was my other pick? Uh, Kota Ibushi. Kota Ibushi. Yeah, he's not in yeah. it. And Grand Metallic. Oh. So, yeah, like I say, Grand Metallic is still around, so you've got two out of three. Uh, well, departures. WWE star Eva Marie is leaving the company four years after making her debut on the main roster. Eva Marie announced her departure from WWE on Twitter on Friday. Today, I'm saying a bittersweet goodbye to WWE fans. Thanks to the entire team and you, my fans, for these four years. Hashtag all read everything forever. What do you think of Eva Marie? You upset that she's going? Nope. <laughs> well, her official main roster debut came... July 1st in the WWE 2013, when she was involved in a Raw segment of over, involving other cast members of the e-reality show Total Divas. After being a part of the 10-woman tag team match at WrestleMania 32, Maria's television appearance were more sporadic. She was drafted to SmackDown during the most recent brand split in July 2016, though she never wrestled as part of the gimmick to keep her out of the ring. She was suspended for 30 days by WWE in August 2016, after violating the company's wellness policy, she hasn't worked at WWE television shows since her suspension. So you're not sad to see Eve Marie go there. Um, no, and you know, as far as violating the company's wellness policy, I'm sure they must know that they get checked quite regularly. 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 <laughs> regularly. And, you know, for people nowadays to be failing it, I think it's just stupid. Yeah. I spoke to Ho Lun to confirm that why he has left the WWE. He asked for his release so he could return to Hong Kong to look after his ailing mother. This is what he said. He said, I went to Hong Kong for vacation about three weeks ago, and that's when I realised that my mother is sick, he said. Yes, because she tried touching him inappropriately. That's why Matt Bloom, the head coach of the PC, that I wanted to request my release. Release. Ha! 
Lun is already booked for indie matches in Singapore and Macau. Oh. And he said, <laughs> and he says, and he said he hopes to share what he learned at the W Performance Centre with the wrestlers back home. I want to thank the W fans for supporting me over the last thirteen months. Lun said, "I hope they can get keep following me." <laughs> I hope they can keep following me with my next journey because I will be making history by helping the scene in Asia. And maybe one day I can come back to the WWE again and perform as a WWE superstar. But more importantly, James, thank you for your support during the CWC and picking me as Iceland. Injury news now. And according to correspondence in attendance for the WWE Live event in Cocoa, Florida, Buddy Murphy appeared to have suffered some sort of ankle or leg injury as he went down during his tag team main event with Cassius Sino versus Hideo Tami and the Velveteen Dream. Following the injury, a WWE trainer came down to assist Murphy, but he appeared to insist on staying in the match. Referee Jake Wirtz then came down to ringside and appeared to convince Murphy to leave the match to get the injury tended to. And of course, the match by himself but i'm a big fan of buddy murphy he's my um one of my three guys in nxt and it's a shame but hopefully he can maybe be repackaged and then come back unless he's released because uh you know we don't want that to happen but anyway more injury news dan uh yes wwe announced bailey suffered a right shoulder injury during a match against nia Jax during monday night's raw episode we've determined the injury is shoulder related and she will be going under further diagnostic testing later this week to determine the extent of the injury and also to establish a timetable for recovery, Dr. Chris Aman said in a statement. Uh, the injury occurred when Jax threw her out of the ring during the match and Bailey barely used her arm for the rest of the contest. Yeah, uh, even though she did use it post-match altercation with Alexa Bliss, she said everything just tensed up around it. I've never had an injury like this before, so I can't really know what it is. I guess we're going to see. Well, Dan, is it real? Is it still... Um, well, we have seen, and Bailey will be unable to challenge Alexa Bliss for the Raw Women's Championship at SummerSlam on October the 20th in New York City. Um, so basically what's happened since then is uh, Nia Jax won a triple threat match and Sasha Banks won a triple threat match and they will both be facing next week on Raw to determine who's going to be the new number one contender for Alexa Bliss. Yeah, so that we asked, is it real storyline work, shoot, okay, fabe? Lots of the week preceding this news uh, to talk about. Finn Balor said, thinking of my friend, Bailey, no way, Jose. says, sorry to hear about your injury. Uh, hoping for the best. Get well soon. Yeah, Bailey said, at least my hair looks cute, though. She said, thanks for love, everyone. Trying to keep my best. Uh, trying to try my best to keep positive. So, yeah, like you said, Dan, she's injured. Uh, are you upset about Bailey's injury? Um, yes, I am. You know, she managed to overcome Nia Jax. And get herself the number one contendership shot. But, you know, they've had to move on and uh, try and overcome it. And I think it'll be a good match, whoever it is, if it's going to be Nia Jax or uh, Sasha Banks. Yeah, and we'll talk more about this on our kickoff show for SummerSlam. But we we'll move on, and the top guys just can't catch a break. <laughs> well, maybe they can. Because they are out of the picture for SummerSlam after WWE announced Monday that Scott Dawson suffered a ruptured bicep. The revival weren't yet announced for a match at SummerSlam, but almost certain wouldn't have taken part. Were, uh, would have taken part if it wasn't for Dawson's injury. Then with both the Hardy Boys and Luke Gallows and Carl Anson in recent weeks, it's unclear how long the injury will sideline Dawson. But at the very least, he'll be unable to wrestle at SummerSlam on October twentieth in Brooklyn, New York. The injury comes after Dawson's tag team partner Dash Wilder 
suffered a fractured jaw in April that kept the revival out until June. Yeah, they've not been lucky, have they, this year? And hopefully they can start again. The the latest word on it is that maybe Scott Dawson won't be able to come back until December. The revival will have to start 2018 fresh. Uh, but move on, more network news. For the second quarter of 2017, WWE had a total of 1,633,000 subscribers to the WWE Network, out of which 156,606... <laughs> out of which 1.5 million were active paying subscriptions. This is down overall from Q1 2017, when they had 1.697 million subscribers and uh, over 1.5 million subscriptions. It's only... 20,000 down from paying subscriptions, so it's not a great deal, is it? No, about 1.1 million were located in the United States and 410,000 were worldwide. And only 65,000 people on a free trial account about it. What's interesting is that a total of 604,000 people cancelled their subscription during the quarter. WWE got just under 600,000 new subs to counteract that massive churn. So that's incredible when you think about the amount of people who've cancelled and the amount of people that have gone on in that time, you know? Yeah, you know, again, it's 6,000 down on, you know, the people that cancelled the new subscribers. But during WrestleMania week, WWE Network subscribers watched 22.5 million hours of content, averaging approximately 13 hours per subscriber. WWE announced its 2017 second quarter earnings Thursday and heralded the quarter as a record-breaking period in terms of revenue. According to the report, revenue reached an all-time high of $214.6 million, which represented an increase. Also, WWE Network averaged 1.63 million paid subscribers over the course of the quarter in an 8% increase from 2016's second quarter. Well, WWE Chairman and Chief Executive Officer Vince McMahon expressed a positive outlook regarding WWE's financial situation following the earnings report. He said, we are pleased with our ongoing efforts to execute our multi-platform content strategy as evidenced by the continued year-over-year growth on the WWE Network. The increased production of localised programming across platforms and markets and the attraction of new sponsors. Well, their revenue has reached well, $214.6 Yeah. They can't afford to pay out a couple of million for some fucking fireworks <laughs> yeah. and talking smack. Exactly, yeah, they're going to cut it. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if soon we get another you know, Black Tuesday where we have quite a few wrestlers release it. It wouldn't surprise me if they're trying to do it. But they're trying to point a, a positive light on it, haven't they? Because W also mentioned that uh, WrestleMania held in Orlando, Florida was the most, most watched WrestleMania of all time, having been viewed by 1.995 million households worldwide. With regard to the remainder of 2017, WWE expects another all-time company record to fall in the form of a hundred million adjusted operating income before depreciation and amortization, which would be up nearly 25% from 2016. So it'll be up 25% from this time last year, a quarter. That's, that is good, but obviously they're saying it's, it's not as good as they promised really, you know? Uh, but we move on, and, and Road Dog was in the news as well. Yes, it's hard to believe that a guy who used to make veiled references to marijuana on live television and yell, suck it all the time, <laughs> is a head creative mind of Smackdown Live. But Road Dog is a top dog of WWE's blue brand. After Sunday's Battleground show, a lot of people were left feeling unsatisfied, to say the least. 
The main event was planned and the finish to AJ Styles slash Kevin Owens match was totally screwed up. At the time, we knew the US title match didn't end right, but in time we would discover why. Well, there were some fans out there who wanted to place all the blame on the D.O.G. The ending of the Shinsuke fucking Nakamura and Baron Corbin match might have been the straw to break the camel's back as Rodog broke his silence and responded in full force. Of course, it didn't stop there, so be prepared to listen to some pretty amazing tweets for the rest of this article. Uh, yeah, well, Road Dog went on to say, thanks for sticking up and understanding. Most are not willing to try and understand all the variables. They need someone to blame. It's me. He also went on to say, dear haters, I've got two words for you, and they ain't fire Road Dog. <laughs> I wonder, what, wonder what that could be. Road Dog's Twitter sponsor free soon became a full-fledged block party as he grew tired of our opinions, opinions of his work. So I've only done one good one. I really value your uh, blocked, he said. Dumb, I'm sorry, your freak blocked, he said. There's a difference between opinion and hateful negativity. Just my opinion. No, Road Dog is one blocked. <laughs> Road Dog is one word. It's my name, so, and it's made up so I can make up the rules too. <laughs> of course, it wasn't all bad. Some people actually had Road Dog's back. And said he cert- and he certainly realised that. Well said. I'd argue that they are not fans at all, but critics. I enjoy the things I'm a fan of. And he said, that's a fair assessment, Nathan. Thanks for being fair and respectful, dude. Blocked. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, man. I mean, come on, Road Dog. Just don't respond to him, you know? We get hateful comments, but we don't give these people airtime, do we? WWE was in Nashville for Monday Night Raw last week with GWF meetings in the same city. That meant talent from both companies are running into about out and about, which isn't anything to write home about, of course. But there's a story going around this week that is absolutely worth writing about, and it started in the latest Wrestling Observer newsletter, where Dave Meltzer wrote that Braun Strowman and Karen Jarrett got into it at a bar. That's the, the long and short of it, according to Observer's telling is that Karen approached Braun about an autograph for her son and he was rude in response. This led to Karen cutting a big promo on him where she revealed the current Raw general manager, Kurt Angle, is the father of the son she was asking for an autograph for and she would be informing him of what happened. Well, at this point, Strowman apparently became extremely apologetic, even getting on his knees and begging her not to tell Angle about what happened. She scolded him for only after finding out Angle was a boy's father, and he agreed why I continued to apologise. Today, PW Insider followed up with its side of the story, saying the two did have a conversation, but Witness told them it was just two drunk people getting loud of each other and nothing else. Karen's thoughts on the recent loud bar incident recently between her and Braun Strowman. KJ, oh my goodness, I can clear the air. It was a silly incident where you have two people in the wrestling business playing their characters, being silly, and it got blown way out of proportion. Well, very interesting. A little bit of light news there with Braun Strowman apparently getting down on his knees to say, sorry, Karen. Uh, And of course, the road dog thing. Uh, I'll tell you one thing we haven't had this month yet. Well, I know the episode's not going out yet, but... No deaths at this time in being. So we'll see what happens, see if anybody can do it in a week. Uh, but, yeah, what have you thought of the news this this month, Dan? Um, you know, it's it's just been stories, mainly, you know, hearsay and people putting stories right. I think what's interesting about like the UFC thing 
uh, and and that all happening, it is it could be a golden generation WWE if they can get the audience from the UFC is, is from them to start going into the product and we start having people like Ronda Rousey or John Jones or you well, know. does that kind of piss on what Conor McGregor said you know a little while back about WWE wrestlers and like you know how they're how it's all you know fake and it's yeah. words, but you know how it's it's a lesser yeah, product. Uh, uh, exactly, but I think he did that on purpose, and I think Colin McGregor will probably have a WWE payday down the line as well. I think this is what these fighters are thinking. They think, we can fight, have a proper career, and then once that's done, move over to WWE and get paid, because WWE will pay the money. We know this, don't we, you know? Uh, and that would become a bit. So, yeah, we move on anyway, and we got probably our favourite and longest running segment in the WNR podcast history. It's NXT Update, but the question is, Dan, when does NXT Update start? Now! Hey! Yeah. So yes, episode 402, it's the 19th of July, and the first match, well, it's a doozy, Dan, because it's Ember Moon versus Ruby Riot. I hope we see an eclipse. Well, we'll see what happens here. It's it's interesting because two weeks ago at the Performance Centre, we saw Ruby Riot having a conversation with Ember Moon saying, don't think you can have Oscar and a Women's Championship that easy. Uh, We saw Oscar going through Nikki Cross. Does Ember Moon have to go through Ruby Wright, Dan, to get to Oscar? Uh, well, you know, if she wants to be the top dog on NXT, you know, she's going to have to go through all the good competitors, and she's already been through one, so I think all that's left is for her to go through Ruby Wright. Well, it's, it's going to be a great matchup, isn't it, you know? Yes. T- At least they've got defining character traits, like I say. Obviously, Ruby Wright looks like a female CM Punk. And uh, Ember Moon, of course, would be a... Oh, I'm not going to get onto that. So they're <laughs> going to tie up in the early going. Dan, who's your favourite going into this one? Ember Moon. Uh, I like Ruby Wright, but she's playing a difficult uh, part at the moment where she's being the uh, the face, as it was, and having a feud with Nikki Cross. But those two girls, I think, are on a collision course. But they've got to do something in the meantime, haven't they? And Ember Moon and Oscar obviously got this, the meeting that is going to happen. I don't care what anybody says. And it's just a way of getting there. But I think it's quite a good story because I think these four women are the best in NXT at this moment in time, aren't they, you know? Yeah. You know, and that's including males as well, I reckon. They've got four great characters, haven't they? Yeah. You know, know, in, in my opinion, I think it goes Oscar, Moon, Cross, then Riot. I, yeah, I think that would be fair to say, yeah, yeah. But I think that all each of them can have great matches, and I think to see Ember Moon here, she like earning her opportunity, just not giving the title shot at Oscar, you know, going through the women as it is. And I think you could say as well that the women's division is stronger at the moment than the males. Yeah, well, definitely, you know, especially with these four characters, I mean, <clears throat> even including the Raw and SmackDown rosters as well, you know, they've got a couple of standout, names but I think these women 
on NXT are performing a lot better than on Raw and SmackDown. Yeah, I completely agree with you. You see there, Ruby Riot trying to flip Ember Moon, she landed on the feet perfectly. And yeah, these women haven't put a step wrong, have they? And even people like Peyton Royce and Billy Kay seem to be improving week after week. And that's the job NXT should be doing as well. Whereas some of the women get lost in the shuffle on Raw and SmackDown. But who's got the strength advantage at least to them? Ember Moon. You think Ember Moon's got yeah. it? So Ember's got strength. Speed? I'll give that to Ruby. <laughs> Speed to Ruby. Agility to Ember. Yeah, but I think Ruby maybe take the shortcut. I don't know. Maybe take the shortcut for the victory. It doesn't seem that way, though, since joining NXT. She's getting the arm drags and Ember. But, uh, you know, I see Ruby as quite a facey character, as I do Ember as well. You know, they won't... Neither women will try and take the shortcut out. Yeah. And, you know, unlike Oscar, who wins at any cost recently. Yeah, we, we have seen that. So, of course, Nikki Cross, who's just batshit crazy anyway. So Yeah. I don't think she needs to take an advantage because <laughs> her craziness is the advantage. But Ruby Riot wants to impress, wants to be, you know, wants to have a chance at the uh, NXT Women's title one-on-one with the, well, unbeaten Oscar. She might just be the only superstar in WWE history that just remains unbeaten. I can't can't see an end of it at the moment. I don't know, Ember Moon even, even if she does get through this tonight and finally gets a one-on-one with Oscar. I don't know about her chances. It'll be difficult as oh, Ruby Riot might catch Ember off then. Doesn't but do you, are you thinking that the only way Oscar's going to lose her title is in a triple threat match or a fatal four-way? Yeah, or to literally just giving a title away. Just you know, being one of those who just gives a title and says, "Look, I, there is, I've done, every, I've completed the game. You know, I've, I've, I've won NXT. Like, there's the title back. I'm going to go up on the main roster." I, I just, I but think she did have a brief appearance on SmackDown for a match, didn't she? A tag match. Oh, yes, and she's been on the road with SmackDown now for, for most of the time, uh, having matches and adding to the, the legendary streak, which is. So if she does debut Raw or SmackDown, that, to come off a, a loss like that, the character of Oscar, even though maybe the main, uh, the people watching Raw or SmackDown might not know who she is, the the amount of uh, stuff they could do just with showing videos of what she's been doing, you know, they, that could be, that could work so well. But Ember Moon, you know, the only person she struggled with in the whole of NXT has been Oscar, as we've seen even live in person. Because she's, you know, not going to say it too loosely, but she struggled with Nikki Cross in the last Women's Standing match. Yeah. She didn't struggle so much when it was Nikki Cross and Ruby Wright together, though. No, she didn't, did she? But I think, yeah, Nikki Cross is one that's come closest to defeating Oscar. But it, it all depends if, you know, Ruby Riot or Ember Moon can actually do it in a one-on-one situation. It's so di- difficult. It, Oscar's been there for so long, it's hard to forget that, you know, people like Bailey, people like Becky Lynch as well have, have faced Oscar. So Oscar's it, it pretty much beaten them all when it comes to NXT. And this is Ruby Riot's chance here tonight to try and prove that she belongs as she goes off the top now on Ember. Oh, with a big scent on. Can she get the cover and the victory? One, two... Oh, but Moon managing to kick out. Ah, and like I said, though, will we see the Eclipse tonight? Probably the greatest finisher move in WWE right now. I, I can't think of one that excites me more. As Ember backed up in the corner by Ruby. Mixed at the moment, but Ember catches Ruby in a big sidewalk slam, but only gets a two. Two. Oh, Ember, is she looking for it? Well, she's crawling to the corner. Can she try and finish Ruby off quite quickly, to be honest? 
Ruby's making her way to her feet. Oh, meets Moon with a forearm. Had this scouted, hasn't she? She knows where Ember Moon's going to strike from, and Ember's caught on the top. Oh, huge chop to the chest. Ruby going up to meet Ember. Oh! Hurricane Rana off the second rope. Goes for the cover. Two. Two. Oh! Moon kick out. Oh. Ruby can't believe it. She's going crazy. She is. How can she put Ember Moon down? Oh, Ruby right now has got the arm of Ember. Of course, she injures that. Won't be able to hit the eclipse. Ember knows this. Tries to defend. Gets caught with a big floor and a kick to the calf. Moon going for a clothesline, right ducking it and hitting her with a forearm and a few kicks of her own. Oh, but Ember catches the boot of Ruby, turns around. Oh! Fucking hell, a big discus <laughs> right hand there, knocking Ruby out. And now can Ember Moon get some momentum on her side? Both women struggling to get to their feet. Ruby going for the clothesline. Moon ducking it, hits a lovely drop kick. Turns her inside out with a lovely back body drop. Rolls her up onto her feet. Oh, Ember feeling it now. Look at that. Well, you can't see it, so there's no point looking at it. Look, she roars. Oh, oh a handspring forearm there to right in the corner. Setting her up for the most beautiful move. <laughs> Here comes Ember Moon off the top. Is it an eclipse? Boom! <laughs> Hits the eclipse. <laughs> Good night, right? Uh, two, two, three. three. <laughs> and like that, I think she won it relatively easily. I, I think it was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. Ruby had a little bit of success. But Ember seems to be, in, you know, still injured. But and Ruby Wright says something to Ember Moon as Ember gets a victory. Dan, what do you think of the match? We saw an eclipse, so uh, I'm over the moon. <laughs> <laughs> so if anyone's going to beat Oscar's reign. Would you like to see Ember Moon doing it? Well, she looked very impressive in this one, didn't she? Like I say, it didn't take long to put down Ruby Riot. And I think, yes, if anybody's going to do it, it'll be Ember Moon. But will she get her opportunity, Oscar? This is a question we ask as we move forward on NXT Update. And we see one last replay of the greatest finishing move in WWE today. Um, up next, Cassius Ono held a press conference at two... Two reporters attended. Hideo Itami came up and referenced the match they will be having next week, and Ono confirmed that he asked for it. So, next week it is Hideo Itami versus Cassius Ono. Oh, that will be a huge match on NXT, and we get a video, and the Street Profits are coming. More about them soon. But our next match is only Lorkin. Only who? Only Lorkin versus Danny Birch. This promised to be a hard-hitting match between these two rough-looking, hard-nosed fighters. And let's see if they delivered. Good, Danny Birch. Well, of course, Danny Birch, Englishman. Always been a fan. I'm getting a fan of Only Lorcan here. And whilst Buddy Murphy's out injured, can I substitute him with Only Lorcan as one of my NXT guys? Because you need three, didn't you? You know, so I've got one. You need to build a team up, a stable. No, you got CN. CN's one of yours. Yes, he is, because he's the same birthday. Well, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not through choice, though, through choosing, I, I, you know. Well, I've been impressed with Only Lorcan. We've seen his performances against the 311 boy CN, your man, as he goes up against <clears throat> Danny Birch here. And the collar and elbow tie up and now trying to out-wrestle each other. Of course, Birch, the veteran of the independent scene. Come on, you bunch of baldies. <laughs> 
You look like, yeah, the three of you should be a team. And the ref. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Both they're tying up the corner. Now only backing up Danny Birch. Go, Danny Birch. Oh, it's <laughs> looking with a big right hand. As I spurred him on. Come on, you Spurs. <laughs> working him in the corner. He's stomping a mud hole in him down. He's walking it dry. Irish rip attempt. Oh, Larkin reverses, throws Birch into the corner. <laughs> but only runs into the big boot of Birch. Oh, and a lovely seated drop kick off the second rope. And Birch nips up there. He's quite ripped. Yeah, fair play, Danny Birch. Oh. These two would make a good tag team, actually. They look very similar. Gets caught with the uppercut by only, but then he gets caught with a boot to the face. Yeah, it would make a really hard hitting team, I think. Because Birch has got him up. Well, the Tower of London there. Birch, get him down. No. Oh, but look, he's managing to kick out. Oh, I don't know, but that's a good name for a move, isn't it? Oh, and Danny, yeah, only Larkin's in serious trouble. Birch's going to try and put him away. Oh, backslide by Larkin. Bounce off the rope oh. and gives him a, a neck breaker there. Oh, <laughs> and then runs into him with a brutal looking uppercut. Goes for the cover. <laughs> One, two. Oh. But Birch managing to kick out. Ah. Talked about two I love the cruise weights, but then again, I really like a fight. <laughs> I like it when they lay it in. Oh, Birch has been busted open. He's got internal bleeding from the nose. Three. But he's putting gloves on now, weirdly enough. And look at this, just staring at Only Larkin. He don't care he's been busted. <laughs> Uppercut by Only. Birch likes it. Oh, <laughs> oh delivers his own. A trivector of uppercuts there for Birch. Oh, All followed up with a full. He's going knee. up a cut city. Knee to the face. <laughs> and only Larkin's just slapping the granny out of Birch. <laughs> but he runs into Birch's elbow and then gets taken out big time. Here comes Birch. Bam, bam. <laughs> oh. One, two. Oh. oh. Larkin with a kick out. Oh. And Birch's <laughs> face. <laughs> covered in blood. He's. Bleeding like a... Danny Birch in trouble. Well, I say in trouble. He might be bleeding, but only Lorcan's the one in trouble at the moment. And is Birch going to go for another big right hand? Now he's going to set him up again. Top rope. Uh, sitting Lorcan up on the top rope. This move's going to be heavy here. <laughs> is he going for a superplex? Oh, no, but Lorcan's fighting out. Look at the elbows right on point as well. Oh... Birch, get, Birch gets thrown away. Lorcan, oh, dies over the top. Oh, but Lorcan goes down low, takes the leg, gets him in a half Boston. Oh! oh Birch taps out quite quickly. And Birch knew he got caught and he had no choice but to tap out. But I tell you what, you talk about hard-hitting affair, Dan. What about that? <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell, yeah. Great match between the two, you know... Not too keen on the ending. I'd like to see it go on for another 10, 15 minutes more. But, you know, definitely these two blokes proved their weight in gold and just the face of Bert <laughs> busted wide open. Well, we've been talking about UFC and MMA on this podcast, but this new hard style of wrestling has really been NXT's kind of uh, go-to recently, especially the UK championship matches and stuff like this as well, Dan. It's, it's great to see. Even the Oscar fucking Nicky Cross... Match, you know, uh, that kind of violence involved. We're getting the replays now. It's a shame I don't let them do what they do in NXT on the main card, though. That's, you know, the only annoying 
But at least it makes NXT different and enjoyable. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? That's the, the good thing about it. And now only Lorkin. Offering the man his hand. And what a sign of respect there. Oh. Oh, Birch is asking for a rematch. <laughs> and the fans want it. Fans, yeah. yeah. They want it. We want it. I want it. <laughs> One more match only seems to agree. The WNR's come a long way when we're excited for a Danny Birch versus Only Lorkin rematch because we know. <laughs> well, you know, we, we rinsed Only Lorkin when we first saw him, but now we've gone on to appreciate him. And, you know, he's working out of his skin. Going against Danny Birch as well, you know, it's, yeah, most definitely worthwhile. Yeah, no, it's, it's great as we move on. And the next match, it was No Way Jose versus Cesar Benoni. It was fiesta time, Dan. Yes, No Way Jose has dropped off the face of the earth after he was injured by Sanity before WrestleMania. But a match with Benoni may be what he needs. In case his name sounds familiar... Benoni is the person who randomly beat Cien almost two months ago and then fell off the face of the earth. These two found each other out in time and space, returned to earth, and, we, and we're here to do battle. Uh, well, we may have discovered why both men haven't been on TV in a while as Benoni missed time to drop kick and kicked Jose right in the face. I know it ain't ballet, but Jose was probably hurting from that. Coincidentally or not, that's when Jose made his comeback and won with a pop-up punch to the face. Uh, Cien then stormed to the ring with still the unnamed Thea Trinidad, with the still unnamed Thea Trinidad to attack Benoni. He was so angry about the loss that he stewed for two months. Joe returned to the ring to run him off. Yeah, so Jose was there to save the day. And then, of course, we know because we've already watched it in the main event, Drew McIntyre defeated Killian Dane to become the number one contender for the NXT Championship. He will face Bobby Roode, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3. What a match it will be. And what a good episode of NXT that was, Dan. That was a bloody good episode, yes. Yeah, all in all, really, really good. So we move on to our next episode of NXT, which is episode, believe it or not, 403, the 26th of July. So we start off like we started off last week's episode with Ember Moon in action. Dan, what are the chances tonight of an eclipse? Very highly. Well, we'll see what happens. She might be uh, a harder opponent than Ruby Wright from last week, but Ember Moon is in the zone. If you start off and, oh, I'll tell you what, Tapper, is it? Tapar. Tapar. Big woman, and she's thrown oh, away. Wow. She started off straight at the bell, ran right towards Ember Moon. Knocking her into the corner, then throwing her from one side of the ring to the other. Oh, from pillar to post, and now she's big headbutt to Ember. Oh my god! Yes, that was your head, dear. Well, she's got a Roman nose, isn't it, Dan? It's Roman all over her mm, face. Fucking is. And she uh, goes for the Chris Benoit, and now Ember Moon's in the corner. Ember Moon with the boot up, and now she's going to try and pick up. Let the power! Oh, oh my! That's an insane show of strength there from Ember Moon. Oh, oh running drop kick sends Lady to pay to the mat. Well, she's going to pay for her in Ember Moon. Look at the kicks. Oh, well, she will have hell to pay. She will. That is a better one there. As Ember Moon hits her big forearm, and now she's going up, Dan. This will be the biggest eclipse in history. Oh, oh! she sold it. <laughs> 
appalling. <laughs> oh my god! But that's the eclipse, and that's the free for Ember Moon within a minute and a half <laughs> yes. of the bell going. Well, she's in the zone. She is in the zone here. Look at that. She's smiling. <laughs> no. She's smirking there. No, she hasn't got a fag in her mouth. She's just got a grin on her face. She's smiling because she puts away... Lady to pay. Lady to pay. She puts away Lady to pay. Will she get Oscar? We'll have to ask her. We'll find out later on. Ron. What did you think of the match, Dan? <laughs> well, you know, that uh, Lady Tapa, whatever she is, started off strong. She looks quite big and like a monster, but, you know, she was no match for Ember Moon. You know, it's over quicker than it started. It was, and Ember Moon ever so impressive here. And um, while officials help tap her to the back, Ember gets on the mic and says she wants Oscar at TakeOver. The champ says she wants competition. She wants a worthy challenge. Moon will give her all she desires. They've been on this journey before, and Ember knows she's ready for Oscar. The question is, is the Empress of Tomorrow Ready for Ember Moon. It is going to happen, isn't it? We know it is. All the hype in the world. But up next, Mario Ronaldo brings up Roderick Strong's tweet saying he's not done with Bobby Roode. Well, he's going to have to get in line. He is. There is a lot of people in line, like Alistair Black. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's a hype video, which will indeed get you hyped to fade. Fade to black. Well, then we had the Authors of Pain versus Timothy Bumpers and David Ramos. And this never starts because Nikki Cross stops AOP and Paul Ellering on the ramp while Killian Dane and Alexander Wolfe attack Bumpers and Ramos from behind. They dispatch the enhancement talent and Akama and Razar march past Cross to get in the ring. After a brief stare down, it's on! Akam takes out Wolfe quickly, but Dane flattens Razar with a lariat. He bounces back and gets his partner to help him take out the big Irishman. Then they hit tandem moves on both men. Dane is incensed, but Cross holds him back while Wolf laughs. The scene ends with the champ standing tall in the ring while Sanity celebrates. So are you excited for Sanity versus all for the pain? Look like they're going to go that way. Most definitely, yeah. You know, it should be an interesting match. I can't see a Carmen Razar getting taken out quite easily, though. No, it's going to be a tough task, but if anybody can do it, maybe Sanity can get the job done at TakeOver. And we see another Street Profits video. They are coming soon. More on that later. After a recap of last week's post-match confrontation between No Way Jose and Andrade Olmos, we see a scene from the parking lot earlier today when Olmos' mysterious friend, identified as Zelina Vega, Stops Jose to commend him for doing what he thought was right because he got in their business and that and that's a fire he can't dance around. Well, Zelina Vega is not related to Savio Vega, as we know. Uh, up next, Velveteen Dream defeated Cesar Benini. Fucking hell, why is he always in matches when I can't pronounce the name? Via pinfall following Purple Rainmaker. It's similar to the Moon Tapper match. It was Benoni overpowered Dream early on until a Death Valley bomb led to the elbow drop and a quick finish afterwards Caleb Braxton stops dream on the stage and what his and asks him what his goals are he turns the question around on her saying he might talk to a decently dressed woman like herself but not in front of the ugliness that is the NXT universe 
her Velveteen dream experience is going to have to wait. Well, Chrissy St. Cloud is in winning Regal's office and asks the general manager about Ember's comments. He reveals that Moon versus Oscar will be the women's title match in Brooklyn. It is on, Dan, like Donkey Kong. Up next, Drew McIntyre comes to the ring for a promo. In a month, he'll be in a main event against Bobby Roode for the NXT title. The biggest main event in NXT history. Doesn't get any bigger than that. Dan, what does he say? He thanks everyone who's been on this journey with him. We have, though, haven't we? We have. We've, we met him. We've, we've been on this journey with him since he was in the independent scene. Exactly. And we said to him, look, mate, when you make it, you know, we'll, we'll be following you. And he said, oh, you need to fucking give me whiskey. No, but we, like I said, we have, and I will have, Dan, maybe there's a chance in a month's time, upstairs in my room, I will have a signed Rangers T-shirt by the NXT champion, Drew McIntyre. We just don't know, Dan. Just imagine if he comes WWE champion and then I sell it on eBay. <laughs> you have to sell it to someone called James. And that's a Rangers fan. Yeah, how many James... You know, James is quite a popular name for Scotland. Fuck hey, it. Jimmy. Hey, yeah, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, fuck you, Jimmy. Go to, go to Glasgow, shout Jim in the street. Fucking hundreds of people. Don't... <laughs> I get fucking a bite you, couldn't you? <laughs> you would. So, yes, that is a huge match. And what did he say? Dan? Um... Well, he thanks everyone who's been on the journey with him. Us. <laughs> this is when... Thanks, <laughs> This is when people reflect. Like, this is when people reflect on what brought them here, but he only goes forward. When he showed up in WWE, he was known as the Chosen One. That was a problem, though, because when he wasn't the hardest worker in the room, he failed. So when he left, he became the hardest worker in the damn world. And like we say, we saw him in City, became the ICW champion. He wrestled for Impact, didn't he? And became the, the world champion. Everywhere he went, he found success, you know? Apart from WWE. Fuck you. Anyway. <laughs> uh, every company he was with benefited. You're damn right, Dan. But it wasn't just him. No, it, it wasn't. was every guy and gal in the locker yeah, room. Yeah, you're right. And everybody in the back supporting him, everybody in the crowd. That's why he signed with NXT in the first place. Yeah, because I told him to. You're damn right. Everyone is moving forward together except for one man. Oh. When he looks in Rude's eyes, he sees entitlement. It's not Bobby's NXT. It's that guy. It's that kid's NXT. He has a message for the champ. We are NXT. What did you think of it, Dan? Were you impressed by Drew McIntyre? It was like a scene straight out of Braveheart, James. <laughs> he brought fire to it, though, didn't he? To be he fair did. to him. Uh, are you excited for the match? Excited as you, but, you know, it is... Because, <laughs> you know, after, even though all the mocking, I do quite enjoy watching Bobby Roode's match, even though, you know, it's only once in a blue moon. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't fight that often. No. But, you know, seeing Drew McIntyre, someone who was in 3MB with Jinder Mahal and Heath Slater... You know, and Heath Slater has gone on to become tag team champion. Jinder Mahal's gone on to be a cunt. <laughs> and, you know, person left, Drew McIntyre, you know, yeah. what can he achieve? Let's see what he can achieve at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3. It's what a match. We're going to just build the shit out of it as we go along. Up next. Uh, another Alistair Black hype video. Also dope. <laughs> Kayla interviews Raul Mendoza backstage. He will face Johnny Gagano in his first match since Chicago next week. Mendoza knows Johnny's been training hard, but so has he. Maybe next week won't be about Gagano's return, 
Maybe it will be about <laughs> Raul Mendoza. We just don't know. Maybe he's the next big star. And Bobby Roode will respond to Drew McIntyre on next week's episode. And I've got to say something to Drew McIntyre. Like, don't get me wrong. I love you, but don't be disillusioned. It is Bobby Roode's NXT. And the reigning, defending face of NXT, Bobby Roode, the NXT champion, will be here next week as we move on to our main event which is going to be Cassius Ono versus Hideo Itami. It is now time for the main event. Yes, it is. It is Hideo Itami versus Cassius Ono. Danny, are you looking forward to watching this match? No. Oh, no. no. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, no. Yeah, it should be a good match. It looks like Hideo Itami's just woken up with bed hair. <laughs> <clears throat> But, you know, I can't help but reminisce back to the match I saw of Seth Rollins versus Cassius Ono back in the developmental days. And Ono didn't need to wear a vest. No, I'm I'm a huge fan of Cassius Ono, the former Chris Hero. Going even back to uh, when in the independence scene with CM Punk when he first started. The matches they had together. Ono's trouble has been his weight. And now he's put... That's why he left NXT first time around. And now he's got the vest on. And he's kind of been with Itami since debuting back in NXT, isn't he? So can I just say, he left NXT to address his weight issues. He put a vest on and come back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was how <laughs> they did it. But anyway, because you got to remember Cassius Ono, the KO gimmick was given to him before it was Kevin Owens. So you got to look at the success Kevin Owens had and maybe that was meant to be for Ono. But then again, you can't really say. It's like Itami with Nakamura, isn't it? Itami was the first Japanese star to come in got the injury and then the Nakamura took it over. So these are kind of guys who were originals but are actually known Playing as... second fiddle. Exactly, now. yeah. The replacements now in a kind of weird way. And they've been friends, you know, this is meant to be friendly. They want to see who's worthwhile, who, you know, in that uh, number one contendership match or have a future NXT title match. Itami and Ono have both been on the losing end of Rude, so, you know, they need to um, turn it around in that way. I mean, who are you backing in this one? Um, Hideo Itami. I'd like to see Itami win. Mm. I'm, like I say, I'm a huge fan of Ono. I think Ono might get the job done here tonight just because uh, I've been impressed with him. And you know, Oh, I'm... just because you've been impressed with him, he's going to win. Yeah, no. Well, oh, that's... yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, well, that's how I do it, you know? you know. I was this close to it when we were at NXT, weren't we? You know, I could have reached out. And... I was this close, weren't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were, Yes, though. you was, we were. I never want to go to another wrestling event because of how good that night was. It was... It's incredible when you think about it. If you stop and think about it, it's it's wonderful. There was no it other was word awesome. It. It, yeah. it felt quite personal as well with the size of the arena. You know, it was perfect. <laughs> yeah. I can't, you know, and you still get the memories back now as Ono and Atami. Look at this by Ono. Well, you know, he may have uh, issues with his size, but he's still quite an athletic worker. He is diving over the top, but Atami catches him with a slap. <laughs> and now the old soul kicks to the midsection. And he's going to bent over that second rope. The time is going up top. Oh, oh, delivers a thunderous leg drop to the back of Ono's head. And I think lucky for Cassius, he rolls to the outside there. But we've seen this kind of new hard-hitting style of NXT wrestling. Just look at the Birch Lorcan match we've seen. And they're continuing it here, aren't they, with Itami and Ono. And I think McIntyre's one of those guys who can deliver that aggressive style. The question would be, can Bobby Roode, can he keep up with the NXT roster? No. This is the questions that I ask myself on a, a daily occasion. This is the question that I answered. No. 
Right, Itami was in control. Kashisano is going to be in control when we come back. Oh no, still Itami. No, he's not. Yeah, back from the break, and Itami catches Ono with a huge kick to the gut. Oh, drops a big knee to Ono's head. To oh, but Ono with quite an aggressive kick out. Ah, uh-huh. I said an aggressive kick. Ah, and Itami with a kick to Ono's back. And Itami looks to send a message. He doesn't look impressed. He doesn't look like he's there to be a fan favorite. You know, he's not there to impress anybody's there to just beat people up if that is his so-called friend well after what he done to only Larkin, you can certainly tell that he's an aggressive fucker and now he's got the miss kicks on Gassis Ono working away I'm shaking my head at that comment <laughs> and Ono serious trouble referee's checking him oh net breaker Tommy's trying to get him no two that's two. Jones oh my word the Tommy now with that net clamp on Ono and fans here trying to get on Ono's side. Trying to get back into this. Come on, big man. But Hitami, look, uh, but Ono looks like he's going to sleep in the middle of the ring. <laughs> well, the knees and the kicks by Hitami to that lower back. He's zeroing in on it, isn't he? You know, after that, he's caught him out during. Oh, there's kicks to the back of Ono. And seems like Cassius likes it. He's taunting Hitami, but gets kicked in the face. But Ono trying to absorb everything Itami has to offer. Oh. Trying to work his way back into the match, but gets kicked over by Itami. Goes for the cover, but Ono with the kick out. Oh. Well, we just get a big banner across the screen saying Oscar returns. Next, what she'll have to say about the whole Ember Moon situation. Situation. As Itami now trying to wear down Ono. Ono has been beaten in this matchup. But he can still pull it out, can't he? Sending Itami back to the corner. Well, can Itami get Ono up onto his shoulders to deliver the GTS? That's the original e- GTS. That's an excellent point as Itami now has got him for the DDT. Oh, no. Oh. Looks like Ono was trying to deposit him to the outside, but Ono kept hold of Ono. Uh, but Itami kept hold of Ono's head <laughs> and hung him up on the top rope. But Itami off the top rope gets caught by Ono. Oh, a huge right hand. And now Cassius with the chops, the combination, but runs into the kick at the time. It has no effect. And like a steam engine with a clothesline now. Oh, Ooh, a running lariat there takes down Itami. And Cassius Ono starting to get in full control of this match. And now here comes Cassio discus kick. <laughs> Knocks Itami down. Goes for the cover to... Oh, oh. Itami with the kick out. Ah, oh my word. Ono with a sent on following it up with the cover. But again, Itami kicks out. Ah. And Ono getting a little bit frustrated. He's got a strike whilst the iron's hot. And Itami staggering back the corner, trying to recover. <laughs> you see a replay of that discus <laughs> boot to the face. Brilliant. Ono running towards Itami. Oh, goes for a splash. Itami dodges it. Spinning heel kick to the midsection. What's he setting him up for now? Can he get him up? Fisherman suplex there. Lovely. Oh, Tommy's showing that he's got power. As we can see there, the scar with the, the injury that kept him out for some time. But he's looking to finish off Cassius Ono in this match now. Oh, running <laughs> drop kick to the head of Ono. Well, Tommy seems a bit excited, but the crowd's not really behind him. As he goes for a Benoit throat slip. Well, now he's going to look to GTS Cassius Ono oh manages to get him up but Ono with a backslide 
holds on, but Itami hits him with a big back elbow. Oh. Runs off the rope straight into a big boot from Ono. Roaring elbow by Ono. Oh. oh, but he gets a kick to the nuts, and this friendly match ended very unfriendly. Oh my god, Itami kicked a field goal with Ono's bollocks, basically. Referee had no choice, and and this is not friendly. Itami now. Oh my word. Pounding away at the head of Ono. Oh, the time he lost it here in this match. Fucking hell. Well, he's kicking away at the head of Ono and the ring bell bellers going mad. <laughs> the bellman's going crazy with the bell. Hoping that his incessive ringing will stop Itami's attack on Ono. Well, if anyone's going to have ringing, it would be the ringing of the ears of Cassius Ono. Well, those kicks are going to definitely leave. GTS. G-T-T-S. Dan, Dan, there's a man down here. Oh no, he's meant to be friends with Atami. Atami's just assaulted him. GTS. And now he's got him up. Pow, right in the kisser. Some friend. But Oh no refuses to go down from the first GTS. Atami loads him up for a second run. Boom. Good night, Oh no. Oh no, Atami there, the killer. The, the killer, the friendship killer. I don't know what to say. Just well, Cassius Ono won that bout, but does he look like a winner, James? <laughs> he, he does he? He doesn't. Atami has has knocked out. It's, it's, sorry, I to say, Atami sends Ono to sleep twice, and oh, oh he looks to walk no. out of there, but turns round. Ring bellman's uh, still going crazy. Oh, no, not on the outside. A GTS oh. onto the stairs. <laughs> and uh, do you think Itami's turning himself into the next hill to challenge the next face NXT champion? I, it certainly looks that way. He's going to have... That's a serious attitude adjustment by Itami. No, AA's a move that John Cena does. That's the GTS. He's honestly Itami... Has left it. He left Ono uh, a mess here. I, I'm shocked by this. Two friends now. Surely, don't call me Shirley. Bitter enemies. As we try and move on after that to episode. I, I mean, I'm shocked. Dan, what did you think of the match? Yeah, it was. It was shaping up to be quite a very good match between the two of them. It seems like they're going to have a about a, maybe a, an upcoming pay per view that NXT's going to. Offer well, it, can Ono recover in two weeks for NXT Takeover against the Tommy? I mean, that would be the question. But you're definitely right. After that, there's a serious retribution to be had. I thought the match is quite good, quite hard hitting. Itami showing his aggressive side as he always does, and I think this is the best Itami that there can be in NXT. You agree with that? Yeah, most definitely. And uh, you know, aside from Eric Young, who's making little to no impact on the roster. Who else have you got to be a, a big heel? Well, this is the thing, isn't it? You know, you need your next big baddie. Chomper, I think, definitely could do that when he returns. You know, Tommy works well. Of course, you've got Bobby Roode. Uh, so, yeah. But when, you know, Chomper does return, I think he's going to have a bit of a feud with Gagano to sort out first. I think that might be over the NXT title, you know. We'll see if Gagano can go forward as a babyface character. Against Bobby Roode, maybe the underdog getting the job done. Chump returns. There you go. You got a few, haven't you? So it all. Put, the thing about NXT, there's so many possibilities. But we do move on to our third episode of NXT, episode four 
04, Wednesday the 2nd of August. And we've just talked about him. Tonight's episode features the in-ring returns of Alistair Black and Johnny Gagano. And we also get to hear Bobby Roode's rebuttal to Drew McIntyre. I can't wait. How do we start? We start with Mauro Ranello and the gang welcoming us to the show. And Johnny Gagano immediately makes his entrance. He hits the ramp to DIY's theme, but then kicks off his brand new theme to a nice pot. It's his own man now. It's good to see him back, Nigel. It is very good for him to be back in an NXT ring, James. He has certainly been missed from the roster. <laughs> so, is it fucking a, performing Monday? I do think you're going to do that. Gagano's out here. And like I say, he's his own man now. Is it good to see Johnny Gagano back? Uh, yes, it's going to be interesting to see Johnny wrestling. Yeah, it is. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, a great worker. A DIY was one of our favourite teams, I, w- I shall dare to say, the past couple of years. And he is going to go up against Raul Mendoza. Yes, and we may remember Mendoza uh, from the loss of his first round match against D. Brian Kendrick during the Cruiserweight Classic. But he's impressed the WWE officials and has been working NXT live events. Yeah. And this will be a showcase for both men, it appears. Well, here comes Mendoza. The bulldozer. He has got a serious look in his face. going to go against Johnny Gagano. Gargano. Well, Gagano might have some ring rust, you know, going against Mendoza, who's been a regular in the NXT house show circuit, like you've just said to me, Dad. Coming back from that, uh, betrayal by Chumper. I mean, we've just seen... Uh, happened to Ono and Itami last month. It happened to these guys at the last takeover. Look how long it took Johnny to recover. Can Johnny go, go, go here tonight, Dan? We will soon see. Both men lock up. The match has indeed started. And Gagano's got the arm now. Oh, but Mendoza are out of that exchange. Oh, but Gagano, he's match, he's, uh, he certainly is Johnny wrestling and he's going move to move with Raul Mendoza. Oh, that is lovely technical wrestling there. Mendoza's trying to fight out of it. But oh. Gagano, though, going for pin attempt. Headlock takedown. And Gagano starting off in full control against Mendoza. Not showing any signs of ring rust as of yet. Not at the moment. The match progresses. That's the same referee. Um, and Gagano's got... What's the dancing ref? I ain't seen him for a while. Oh, Mendoza gets pushed down, but look at that. Nips right back up again. Lovely double leapfrogs there by both men. Gagano with a roll-up. Gets reversed by Mendoza. Both men getting a one count. One. Oh, my word. It's a very fast-paced match to start off with. Oh, but that might be it there. Gagano just connected. Big kick to Raul's head. Johnny seems in a good place. He seems happier, doesn't he? Now he's back. Maybe he can become successful in his own right. Try and put the horrible past behind him. And he can do that by working on the arm of Mendoza. Well, it's Mendoza Rosa, but Mendoza uses his own momentum. Comes back with a big elbow to Gagano's face. Oh, both men running the ropes. Oh, and a step up in Seguri straight across the beak for Mendoza. Rolls up Gagano. Oh. But Gagano managing to kick out. Oh. The tilt world tempt in the middle of that as well, but both of these guys really impressing here. It's a showcase, I think, for both men in this match to show everybody what they can do. I mean, maybe most people think Johnny Gagano is only a tag team wrestler. People think, you know, might not know the success he had on the independent scene. Uh, indeed, yes, but would uh, 
Would both men benefit a running 205 Live? I mean, you know, they both seem the size of a cruiserweight wrestler. I would love to see Johnny Gagano in 205 Live, but maybe that means NXT, uh, WWE have got bigger plans for him in the future. Oh, oh my God. Gagano going to Irish Whip Mendoza in the corner. And through the second and top rope, <laughs> Gagano hitting nothing but a top turnbuckle, ending up on the outside of the ring, but slingshots himself straight into the midsection of Mendoza. And both men getting a well-deserved clap from the audience. Yeah, and I would say already that I think we've seen better NXT matches than we have 205 this month. I think Definitely, they're, yeah. they've Remember really that. delivered at the moment. Mendoza struggling to get to his feet. What's Gagala got planned? Oh, big right hand there. Knocks down <laughs> Mendoza. Followed by a second. Lovely close on there from Johnny Wrestling. I looked like he was going to throw him in a turnbuckle. He dodged then hit the clothesline right back at him. Mendoza in the corner now. Oh, comes in with a big right hand. Close on attempt blocked by Mendoza, who steps it to a lovely Pele-type kick. And now maybe it's his opportunity to upset Gagano. He looks to go up top. Oh, he's taking his sweet-ass time about it, though. Looking for a 450 attempt, but Johnny sidesteps it. Johnny Gagano wins via submission. Oh, my God. He's got him caught deadly. Look at submission hold. And Gagano pressing... On his uh, return to NXT, Dan, what did you think of the match? Brilliant match. Yeah, very fast place. Uh, very fast paced. I enjoyed it thoroughly. And I wish more matches were like this. Yes, it was beautiful, wasn't it? It's was kind of a mixture between the 205 stuff we like and the NXT stuff that we love as well, you know. So it's a good mishmash, mishmash of everything there. Uh, we take a look back at teams from last week between Sanity and Authors of Pain. And it is announced that Wolf and Dane will take on the Carmen Razar for the NXT Championships at NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3. Then we go to a video of Paul Ellering saying they'll write another chapter of pain and that they'll be, pairing, and that they'll be preparing in the meantime. Ellering lets Sanity know that monsters are real. It's going to be a really interesting matchup, isn't it? Because they're both heels, both going into it. Go on. Another one of my teams off as a pain, isn't it? Yes, exactly, yeah. That's what I said, Authors of Pain, you always like them. You didn't say that, I said that. Oh, shut up. Trying to take credit for everything off. Anyway, as I was saying, it'll be a really interesting matchup because they're both hills, aren't they, going into it. And we'll see what the reaction is from the crowd, who they start to like. Because it might be dangerous, but the Authors of Pain might start becoming popular because they're so dominant, you know? Yes. Anyway, move on. Speaking of dominant, NXT Women's Champion Oscar comes out in formal attire to address the crowd and Ember Moon's comments. She says she's beaten Ember Moon before and will beat her again. Oscar says Ember isn't ready for her and then Moon's music hits. Well, James, we didn't expect Ember Moon to make an appearance here. We just thought it was Oscar addressing Ember's <laughs> comments. Well, yes, Ember Moon has come out here to get in the face of the women's champion, the undefeated one, Oscar. No one can say that. Is that a nipple? I <laughs> thought the same thing. Sorry, did I say that out loud then? <laughs> I don't think it is. It's a bit uh, low for a nip, nip I know, but still. So, let's see what they have to say. Well, Moon says since her injury, she's been fighting her hardest to get belongs. Although Oscar may not think she's ready, she knows she is, and the people know she is. Moon says that deep down inside, below all the arrogance, Oscar knows the truth. Oh, both of these women face-to-face is what we've been waiting for. Oh, is that nice of Oscar going off the hand? 
And that's a sign of respect there, I think, Oscar's gained for Ember Moon. Go on, Ember, shake it. Underhand. <laughs> a disrespect there, Oscar. Oh. He turns it into a slap. <laughs> Oscar looking very pleased with herself, but that's just pissed off Ember <laughs> and lit a fire. Oh, my God. Here comes Ember. Oh! She responds with a big right hand. And now she's beating the crap out of Oscar. Oh, my word. Oh no, here comes Oscar. Fucking hell, look at the strikes. Fighting back with some forearms <laughs> and a big kick to the head. She's in a suit. <laughs> oh, that's going to stop her. And now Oscar's going to send Ember Moon outside. Oh. Look at that. Capital of right. that's done. Yep, she's disposed of the trash. And look at that beautiful Oscar holding up the NXT title. It's what it's all about. Boom! <laughs> and Ember Moon plants Oscar. With the eclipse. Three NXTs, three eclipses. My God, that was the biggest of them all, though. Uh, Oscar sold it perfectly. She did. NXT title in hand. Talk about a Rock Austin moment. I think that was pretty close to it. Well, you know, with the <laughs> stunners and eclipses, you know. Uh, face to face, the two women. They're going to they're gonna fight NXT TakeOver. And is it Ember Moon's time? They're not going to fight. It is going to be a fucking war. Oh, my word. Do you think, we should say it now, do you think it should be the main event of TakeOver? I disagree with you, but we'll talk about that. I I tell you what I would argue about, I think we'll do it more on a live show, is depending on who the winners are. Well, would you you say that this rivalry is more personal and more meaningful than Drew McIntyre and Bobby Roode? Yeah, I think Bobby, it means, if this is the main event, I think Bobby Roode retains. This means a lot more to yeah. fans. And Oscar's to Oscar, if Oscar loses, it would mean more than anything. And this, I, I think it could overshadow it. A McIntyre title win will be overshadowed by an Oscar loss. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It, it's not going to happen. Like one or the other. Well, it's will only going to be yeah, one or the other. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we can say, I would say that now because that's what I think. So, what will happen it is all down to who's you know. This is an incredible thing between Mario and Arlo, Percy Jackson, uh, Watson, and uh, Nigel McGuinness on commentary. Percy Jackson, the lightning thief. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but after that, we tried, well, what better way than Bobby Roode backstage prepping for an interview? The reporter asked Bobby, oh, look at him. Look at him. He, oh, he's gorgeous. We've had no glorious entrance this month, but my God, what a man. Because he doesn't fucking wrestle. <laughs> Well, he doesn't fucking wrestle. The reporter asked Bobby about his actions after his win against Roderick Strong. Rude uses the lottery analogy again, but Strong didn't have the right numbers. Rude says Strong doesn't belong. NXT. I, I can't have the... you got to do the next bit because I don't want to talk bad about McIntyre. When asked about McIntyre's comments <laughs> from last week, Rude says Drew commented that he's a new man. Rude gives us a little scoop that the new man and Rude have a little sit-down conversation oh, next week oh, on NXT. Talk about a face-off. Bobby Rude and Drew McIntyre. Roderick Strong crashes the ending of the interview and is held back by several superstars. Mr. Regal comes out and says, this isn't the way to go about things and to remain professional. Roderick says he'll do anything to get Bobby Rude back in the ring, but Regal says his hands are tied and will remain a singles match. At Brooklyn. So, Roger Strong wants to be a part of it. Do you think it should be a triple threat match? No. 
No, I think if it becomes, uh, yeah, like I say, don't dilute it unless it's not going to be McIntyre's moment. You know, I, I honestly don't know what could happen. But we see the Street Profits yet again who debut next week. Dan. Saying that, if NX, if uh, Roderick Strong does get added to the match, then Bobby Roode could beat Strong. That's yeah, ending that yeah, feud. Yeah. Setting it up for... November. November. Yeah. And uh, your prediction coming false. Yeah. But you don't get any points for that. No, I don't get any points, but still, oh, what timing. And uh, up next, uh, in in ring action, Sonia Deville versus Jenna Van Bemel. Bemel. (laughs) Van Bemel, apparently known as the Bionic Beast, is the much larger opponent, but Deville has the quickness advantage. Deville tying with Van, Van Bemel by ducking strikes with her hands behind her back. Van Bemmel scoots under the ropes and drapes Dreville over the top rope. She doesn't take t- kindly to it and proceeds to use a series of Mai Tai moves. Van Bemmel blocks a corner attack with an elbow and tosses a smaller Deville away. Deville jumps up to an arm triangle out of nowhere and v- Van Bemmel taps. Well, backstage with Caleb Braxton and Hideo Tami, and the Japanese star said he doesn't get respect for Mono or others, so why show it to them? He heads to the ring and demands respect. Instead, he gets Alistair Black, whose match is up next, and we've seen Alistair Black coming in, and Atami stayed in the ring, Dan. Do you think that's a good idea for him? No, Atami's going <laughs> to get put to sleep. Atami wants respect, and he's going to put anybody down. He's seen what he'd done to Cassius Ono last week, and Alistair Black has got a match coming up, but Atami has not moved yet. And this could get interesting. We've never seen Alistair Black interacting with anybody like this before. And Atami's not backing down. Credit to him. Oh! <laughs> a black mass kick and Black just sits down where he wants. He does sit where he wants. He's getting more and more impressive as I see him, Dan. You're, you're number one man. And he put Atami just like that. As we go <laughs> to operate Atami, what a respect... He gets caught with a black mask. But we have got a match coming up next. And, uh, well, it's the debut. It's his first match in an NXT ring, James. It's Kyle O'Reilly. Well, (coughs) Dan, his Red Dragon partner showed up a couple of weeks ago when we told you Bobby Fish. Bobby Fish. Bobby Fish. Other half was en route. On the August 2nd episode of NXT... Kyle O'Reilly showed up and was unveiled as a new member of the Black and Yellow Brands roster. The former Ring of Honor world champion's first opponent was the same man, Fish faced <laughs> Alistair Black. That booking was explained a bit more tonight as the announced team said wrestlers from around the world are petitioning general managers William Regal for a shot at the undefeated Dutchman. So, tag team partner of Fish, are you happy to see Carla Riley in here now, Dan? I'd rather see Bobby Fish. Yeah. I thought I'd add information about him. Well, he's best known for his time in Ring of Honor. He also worked for New Japan Pro Wrestling and competed for several independent promotions, most notably Pro Wrestling Guerrero. O'Reilly is a former three-time Ring of Honor world champion, thing of time, three-time Ring of Honor world tag team champion, alongside Bobby Fish as Red Dragon. While in PWG, he is a former one-time world champion and the winner of the promotion's 2013 Battle of Los Angeles. Oh, thanks. I know a lot more now about Kyle O'Reilly. I'm glad he tags up with Fish. But Fish was unsuccessful against 
Alistair Black. Can Kyle O'Reilly do any better? And look at the striking as well. Like we talk about, it's the same type of like MMA hard-hitting style now, isn't it? You know? It is, yes. Do you still back, back your man Black in this I'm one? I'm always going to bet on Black James. <laughs> Black's got him in the front face hole. But like you say, lots of people want to beat the Dutchman. Can Kyle O'Reilly get... Oh, and Alistair Black maybe trying to get the armbar in, but Kyle O'Reilly looks to turn it into a triangle. Oh, but Alistair Black there just muscles <laughs> out of it. Oh, stop fucking falling over your favourite wrestlers. It makes me sick. Thank I never do. Well, James, I believe that Alistair Black can go on and win the NXT Champions, Bobby Roode or Drew McIntyre, oh. whichever man who holds it. Well, we shall see, Dan. At the moment, Alistair Black's got a lot. Other, he's got more things on his uh, mind, you know. He just knocked out Itami, and now he's trying to beat up Kyle O'Reilly. He's upset Bobby Fish. So, you know, Alistair Black, I know he sits where he wants, but he's got to fight to prove he belongs in NXT. Well, James, he's going to sit at the top of that tree as NXT champion. Mark my words. <laughs> Mark my yeah, words. Yeah, we shall see, Dan. As now Black's trying to fight the arm breaker off. Oh, lovely reversal there. I do like his title on his back, though. He's a big man as well, deceptively, he's big, isn't he? <laughs> he's deceptively big, yes. Yeah. As O'Reilly catches him with the forearm, Black seems to like it. Oh! oh O'Reilly goes high, <laughs> Black goes low, and he sweeps the leg of O'Reilly and just sits in the middle of the ring. Oh, my. And now O'Reilly backed up, he knows the fight he's got now. Kick There's him no out. way to attack black when he's sitting down and oh. he just ducks a, <laughs> ducks the kick attempt and just nips his way back to his feet uh, he's a man of few words isn't he he Mr. is black but like you said to me when i asked you does it matter that he's a primary guy or not what did you say in response no because he lets his talking show uh he does his talking in the ring exactly so he's a man of action and he doesn't need a lot of words but i do think he needs to work on it a little bit but he as an athlete i can't argue so when uh, Brock Lesnar leaves, Paul Heyman's going to need a guy. Nah. You don't think, do you? He done well with CM Punk. He did. That would be quite good, actually, yeah. Even though CM Punk was a good talker of his own, right? But O'Reilly runs in towards him, but that, uh, Black jumps over the top, delivers a big kick to the chest, goes for the cover, but only a two count. Two. We come in from after the break. Well, not we come in. They were back after the... Break there, and it looks like Black had been in control duration of it as he sends O'Reilly into the corner. Now he's going to work with those kicks. Spencer's going up the week before SummerSlam. Week before SummerSlam. So don't forget to join us next week where we go live for NXT Takeover Brooklyn Freeze kickoff show and SummerSlam kickoff show as well. And that's going to be a two hour. We're only going to be covering an hour of it live. Yes. Well, I mean, depending on how successful it is. I mean, if we fancy going on. 90 minutes or something like that, we will do SummerSlam. We're flexible, you know. We start midnight on Saturday and then 11 o'clock on the Sunday. Uh, it's going to be huge. I mean, what are you looking forward to more? NXT TakeOver, Brooklyn Free or SummerSlam at the moment, Dan? Um, I think SummerSlam, to be honest with you. Oh, very really interesting. Do. What we'll do, uh, we'll have a preview on both cars at the end of this episode, seeing as it is a week before and building it up. And then, of course, SummerSlam weekend, we have got... Oh, we'll talk about that in a bit. As Kyle O'Reilly now backs Black into the corner of the forearm. Now he's got the arm. Oh, and this might be the most trouble we've seen as the Black in, in NXT. And Black trying to get out of uh, 
the leg lock. Brutal kicks there to O'Reilly. Finally gets him to relinquish the hold. But has the damage been done already? Can he hit that black mass kick well, we with don't an injured ha- leg? We, sorry if this is right, but we don't know how much uh, damage that black can take. You know, He's been impressive recently, but we've not seen anybody really take it to him as Kyle O'Reilly seems to be doing now. I mean, even Fish didn't really yeah, do that much. <clears throat> no, O'Reilly certainly put up more of a fight than Fish. Yeah, but then again, Kyle O'Reilly, a former Ring of Honor champion, you know, working in the Japan with a strong style. Maybe shouldn't be underestimated because of the MMA style that Black's got. I mean, they've kind of equal to each other at this moment in time, you would say, you know? Yeah. Even though Black's on the mat, he's still trying to fight out. And uh, O'Reilly with a pin in the tent, but it only went to a one. One. Where we see it's all about top position here. O'Reilly trying to keep his back in it. He's inside control. If we're talking MMA at the moment, trying to get in position for the arm. Oh, gets the cross arm break up. But... Alistair Black there loops his hands together so he can't get the move on fully. So if if the hands become released, the submission will be in full and Black will have no choice. His shoulder will be separated. But luckily for him, or mental Black with a roll-up, yeah, goes for a cover, but O'Reilly managing to kick out. Ah. Delivers a thunderous elbow there and uh, he's starting to put Black through his paces. He is, and now he's got his back as well, trying to get the legs in and now working on the strikes and Black trying to cover but not a lot to work with. No, not at all. But, um, you know, is Black just giving O'Reilly a run for his money? You know, he's, is he uh, just... The, the officials at Black said, look, come on, mate, you've got to make it last a bit longer than two minutes. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like a sparring spe- session. Well, at the moment, though, it looks like uh, Black is in a match here and, like I say, exchanging kicks. O'Reilly not really backing down. Got the arm again of Alistair Black. Well, O'Reilly's giving as good as he's getting. Oh, and that shoulder and arm has been what O'Reilly's been targeting now. And oh, look at the knees to the midsection. Oh, and a running knee from O'Reilly. He's an ugly cunt. He, that's what I was just thinking. I was like, he really is. As we go to another ad break, and Kyle O'Reilly is in complete control. And Kyle O'Reilly with the shoulders and the forearms to Alistair Black. And Black, uh, honestly, he's in serious trouble here. Do you just not think he's absorbing the punishment? Do you think he's like the iron fist, you he's, know, the more? He's just conditioning himself, you know, he's he's letting O'Reilly have... He could pin him now if he wanted to. <laughs> yeah. oh. but he's just letting O'Reilly in, he's conditioning himself to get hit <clears throat> when he faces a serious opponent. I don't know, Kyle O'Reilly looks a very serious opponent, but Alistair Black now turning oh. up the heat. Snap suplex there and then just runs and drops the knee straight across O'Reilly's throat. Well, he's going for the pin. You see the forearm across the bridge of the nose. That's more irritant than it is anything else. Can't get him down, though. Kick out. Uh, but when, you know, O'Reilly's breathing heavily, he needs every way of getting oxygen into his system. And if his nose and mouth is slightly blocked up, it's going to be harder for him to breathe and uh, recover. Yeah, but now he takes his chance, goes on the eighth and tries to buy himself a little bit of time. Hangs Alistair Black up there with the arm. That has been worked on throughout the majority of the match. Going in a bit of an arm bar there. Going for a Kimura-type lock. But I don't think, at the moment in time, these are the kind of moves you want to do on Alistair Black. I think if you really want to hurt and put him down, you've got big, hard-hitting moves. You're going to go for a submission, literally try and break the arm off. You don't want to, like you're saying, don't give Black time to get his breath back, get back into the match. It needs to be kind of constant, doesn't it? You know, those knees, what are a perfect thing to do. Just keep hitting the knees, you know. Get in position there. Just keep hitting the Tony. Make sure you don't get in trouble. I mean, Alistair Black... 
We've seen him before, but never have we seen him in so much trouble. What a debut is at the moment for Kyle O'Reilly. Can he put Alistair Black away? Well, Alistair Black gets caught with a big boot, but he's responding. Uh Uh-oh. Someone said to Alistair Black, finish him. Yeah. Alistair Black there with a few kicks. Oh, a lovely springboard moonsault. Oh, by O'Reilly, man. And what's Black calling for now? Is this going to be the end of Kyle O'Reilly? Oh. Lifting him up with his foot. Oh, but O'Reilly grabs hold of the foot and tries to deliver an ankle lock. Brilliant by O'Reilly. Knew how to block it. So a couple of elbow smashes across his head. Stops him. Goes for a right arm, forearm <laughs> smash. Gets blocked with a foot by Black. But as Black goes for another springboard, he gets his legs taken out from underneath him. And now O'Reilly looking to finish things with a kick of his own. Oh! Stomped to the back of the head and a spinning <laughs> elbow there. Takes Black down, oh. but he manages to kick out. Oh. I can't believe Alistair Black just got the shoulder up then. Looked like O'Reilly had him done. Dead to rights, as they say. Impressive there. Oh, fair play to him. More, he's pressing me more than Fish. Most definitely a better athlete than Fish, even though he's an ugly fucker. He is an ugly cunt. As he's trying to put Alistair Black away. But Black blocking. Black bocking that Black. Then O'Reilly now just trying to get him in a kind of... Face lock. Yeah, trying to put him to sleep. And Black is fading fast. Fade to Black. But O'Reilly lets go. Maybe too soon or thinking he can put Alistair Black away. Here he goes again with a kick. Oh, but Black moves out of the way. Big boot to the face. Oh. Oh, but O'Reilly responds with one of his own. (laughs) And then a double big boot rocking both men. Now they go back to back. Oh, my word. O'Reilly with the kicks, uh, the chops. Oh, fuck. Oh, but Black responds with elbows and a knee. Oh, no. Oh. And then O'Reilly with a big knee to the jaw. And now it's going to be another foot stomp. Another forearm. Oh. oh Black mass <laughs> kick just like that. Two, three. Oh. And good night, O'Reilly. Fair play to him. He gave nearly as good as he got, but... You just don't get up from a black mass kick. No, I mean, what an incredible match. We talk about, again, the new hard-hitting style delivered by Alistair Black. And fair play, Kyle O'Reilly. First match, son, you keep performing like that, you're going to have a place on the roster, aren't you? But Alistair Black, every week, his toughest challenge, he's come through with flying colours and he's knocked two men out tonight with a black mass kick. How happy are you, Dan? I'm over the bloody moon. <laughs> Uh, glad he won. He uh, thoroughly deserved the victory. And, um, you know, a good performance by both men. So that is it for this week's episode. We'll move on. Before we do, we should say that afterwards, uh, Kyle O'Reilly spoke to Chrissy St. Cloud. He says, where do we go? Where do he and Fish go from here? NXT could use an infusion of tag teams, but O'Reilly sounds like he has plans to go alone, go it alone in this interview. He may not have a choice if he wants to quickly get screen time in an increasingly crowded and experienced roster out of the performance centre, however. Would you rather see O'Reilly teaming up with Fish or him as a singles, Dan? Um, well, by the looks of the past two weeks, you know, by the past couple of performances against Black, uh, O'Reilly will be carrying Fish along. <laughs> yeah. But again, you know, I'll, I'll still stick to my words and uh, Fish is the best Bobby in the next turn. Oh, well, we end that one on controversial fashion. And we start the next episode of NXT. So we move on. It's the last episode of NXT and what has been a busy network uh, roundup this month for August, as it is now. 
How did we start off? Well, Sanity's Nikki Cross kicked off the shake, screaming as she is prone to do, before Alexander Wolfe and Killian Dane joined her in the ring. The unstable faction called out the NXT Tag Team Champions, the Authors of Pain. And of course, in commentary, we've got Percy Jackson, Mario Ranala and Nigel McGuinness. Oh, Percy Watson. Sorry, I always get confused between two. Bubba Watson. Yeah, it's nice to see Mario Ranala here. I won't make you do the Nigel McGuinness. Well, thank you, James. It's getting rather stale now. Um, yes. I don't like doing it. No, but later on, face to face, it is the chosen one, Drew McIntyre, and the glorious one, Bobby Roode. First time ever in a ring. But at the moment, Nikki Cross and Sanity. Well, Dan, this is the second time recent memory for me that the Authors of Pain have been called out by Sanity. Will they come out here tonight? And they are, and they are being led by the one and only legend, Paul Ellering. Who are you going to back in the fight? Nicky Cross, Paul Ellering. <laughs> oh. Have you seen Nicky Cross waving? Nicky Cross. Oh, uh, yeah, i got back her. But Karma Razor coming out here, of course. A calm's the one with the tattoo. Oh, wait a minute. And it's Eric Young who's attacked one of the authors, attacked Razor from behind. Well, Dane and uh, Wolf are working over Razor in the ring. Oh, he's got a cable tie. And he's cable tying uh, Akam's arm to it's, the barricade, uh, Razar's arm to the barricade, while the other members of Sanity work him over. Oh, what a great idea! Yeah, what a great idea! Separating the authors of pain, and now that's sort of calm and all sorts of trouble. It's the whole Sanity in the ring, and Eric Young booting his head off. My God! And Paul Ellington can't do anything ringside. So does this mean the AOP are the faces in this bout? Well, it looks like that way at the moment. I mean, this is a 4-1 advantage. Just Killian Danger squashes. Calm, three times there. Razor can't do anything. And yeah, you would say, Authors of Pain, the baby faces. And look at that! <laughs> wow, and uh, he's just completely destroying the guardrail and dragging it towards the ring, trying to get his hands on Eric Young and the other members of Sanity. Oh, he's oh, yeah, trying to bring it with him, but look at this. But a one-armed man won't be able to get too far. <laughs> oh, look at Wolf's kicks. All the sanity raining down. But he is attached to a weapon. He is. He's at that security barricade. But I don't think that worries Killian Dane. Oh! Well, Dane, he just stood on him and then uh, delivered a senton. And that is some weight to be having on you. Uh-oh, now they're picking it. Not finished with Razor. Young going up. Second rope. Oh! A neck breaker there with uh, Wolf picking up Razor. But Sanity there just destroying the authors of pain. My, I've never seen anything like it. It was a plan they had and it worked perfectly, Dan, didn't it? They did, yeah. They executed it to perfection. Is this uh, NXT finally taking Sanity seriously? Well, this is what's like, this is something that you've wanted for a very long time with Sanity. A common goal or goal. And I think now they want to be tag team champions. Nikki Cross bringing the championship belts. And my year-end prediction is... Well, Killian Dane and Alexander Wolfe holding the titles. Eric Young orchestrated this plan. Nikki Cross, I mean, unbelievable here, Dan. I mean, for the first time in their NXT careers, the authors of pain were made to look weak by the opposition. Every bit and every bit is dangerous as them. How will I come and raise our response to this, Dan? Um, I'm, I'm sure they'll have a few words or a few actions to... Uh... To respond to Sanity. Take this uh, lying down. Yeah, but can, they currently are. But can they beat Sanity? 
as they have DIY and the Revival before them. At the moment, no one has dominated the author pain like Sanity here. I mean, Dan, you've got to say, this is a compelling story to be told in Brooklyn for TakeOver, isn't it, really? It is, yeah, and it's brilliant to lead up to it as well. Well, next up, we have the Street Profits versus the Metro Brothers. We've seen uh, the Vignettes now, and it's about time for the debut of the Street Profits. But who are they? Wait a minute, we've just seen a replay from last week's Oscar Ember Moon. Well, this happened. (laughs) Yeah, it did. An eclipse to Oscar. Will it happen at TakeOver, Dan? That is a question, and you can answer it for me on the live show. TakeOver. Has Ember Moon got a chance, or is it over? I mean, a contract signing next week between these two, which we will bring you live on our NXT kickoff. I wonder if any shenanigans will go down there. So, yes, Dan, you've talked about Street Profits. We've seen a lot of them, but who are they? Well, Angelo Dawkins, he's a wrestler with Harper College. Uh, Gary Gordon, that's his real name, he joined the WWE in 2012, signed on to their developmental system. He debuted on NXT television in 2013 as Angelo Dawkins, so he's been doing this now for four years. And he was soon paired with Sawyer Fulton in a tag team that had uh, marginal success at the bottom of the tag division against Enzo, Big Cass, the Four Pillions, Blake Murphy and the Hype Bros. Remember all them teams? And they was at the bottom of it. Yeah. Uh, when Fulton was originally moved to Sanity before he was injured and replaced by Killian <laughs> yeah, Dane. remember that. <laughs> Dawkins was repackaged and placed with Montez Ford, where the two have been working as a team on NXT live events for just over seven months. They've recently been named the Street Profits, which they'll be debuting under soon. He was last seen on NXT TV Back in September of 2016 in a lost to the perfect 10 tie dinner. Yeah, so he's not been around for a long time. But you mentioned Montez Ford. Who's Montez Ford? Well, I'll tell you. He's a former US Marine. He joined the W Performance Center in the spring of 2015 and impressed enough at a tryout to get signed to a developmental deal. Chicago's Kenneth Crawford made his NXT deal name in the fall of that year. He spent the better part of the next year teaming with another new recruit, Patrick Clark, at NXT Live events. By the end of 2016, he switched to pair with Angelo Dawkins, spending the last year working against the likes of The Revival, DIY, Sanity, Heavy Machinery, and the NXT champions at Authors of Pain at NXT Live events. They may not have been on television, but they got some serious training with some great tag teams. As 2017 rolled around, Crawford was finally given his NXT name, Montez Ford. After months of preparation for their new gimmick, it looks like the Street Profits are ready to become active members of the televised tag team division. Ford has had a couple of enhancement matches on TV, last seen on television back in August of 2016 and a loss to Steve Cutler. Ford is currently engaged to NXT superstar and May Young Classic competitor, competitor Bianca Belair. So we're going to tell you, we told you that the Street Profits, we said we're going to talk about them, and we have done, and will the Street Profits be the gimmick that helps Angelo Dawkins turn the corner to NXT stardom? The amateur wrestler has been around since the brand's early days and tried several versions of his characters. His partnership with Montez Ford has been a hit on the house show scene, and management has given a pair weeks of vin- uh, vignettes to hype their social media-inspired Red Cup Rebellion. They will see what their... Uh, They'll see their first televised action on this episode, and we're going to find out now, Dan, all together. And as I say that, we we look at the Street Profits. Is that Snapchat there, Dan? Snapchat, Dan, you'll follow him. You can f- confirm that. I can confirm 
and not deny <laughs> that I am following Street Profits. So let's let's watch Soldier Drop You. Let's watch their entrance. An entrance. They, they just they, stood in the ring. You know, fair play to Chris and fair play to JC. Who's that tag team, Dan? Look like these. D- D- Juice and Domino. Remember them? Yeah. With the manager who had the um, manager had the fucking roller skates. Trained by the Dudleys. Well, you've got to give them a chance, haven't you, you know? Look like a couple of greasers from the well, outside. they look like a couple of greasers from the outsiders, James. <laughs> well, let's see if the Street Profits are any different in the more up-to-date. Here they come in the black and gold. Angelo Dawkins with a distinct headband. And, of course, Montel's Ford in the back. Coming out here to quite a good reaction, Dan. Not impressed. Oh, look, no, he's fucking dabbing. <laughs> no, Dan. Fuck off. Dan, give him the match first. Don't go against him. <clears throat> We've got to give everybody a chance. Well, how will they wrestle, though? This is the important thing. I wonder what's in that cup. It's not performance-enhancing drugs, is it? Jizz. <laughs> so, Angelo Dawkins taking out one of the, uh, the Metro brothers. Yeah, I'm not going to even try and work out what their names are. I don't think it matters because look at Dawkins springing over the top. Deep arm drag as well. And now slamming him down. He's going to uh, gonna give Ford a tag in. Oh! Flips his way into the ring. Oh! That's a bit of tandem offense there. Yeah, I mean, Ford's got a leap on him, hasn't he? Nice drop kick. <clears throat> slam combo. And here you go. Handshake. And now Ford's going to... Oh, no. Metro Brother reverses. Oh, but Ford there flips over the top and has a little dance. Ducks a clothesline and a back suplex there. Nips up to his feet. And Ford looks like he's having a fit as he tries to take down the Metro Brothers. A Metro Brother. A Metro Brother. Oh, my God. Look at this. Metro Brothers put Ford in the corner, beating him down. And this might be a major upset. And now look, one of the Metro Brothers there mocking... The uh, the street profits. Yeah, Montel's Ford managing to dodge out the way of that though. Can he get oh, the tag? Lands on his feet and then flies across the ring for a tag. I don't see the point in diving, but he done it anyway. Well, he dived to Dawkins and now Angelo's in. Oh, big Angelo back elbow. seems like the type you want to get the hot tag to. Yeah, wow, look at that. Big spear as well. And Alistair in the pot. Oh, Spinning splash. Did he get a tag there? He, he did. Oh, and D-Lo Brown would be pleased with that. Sky high. The frog splash. Ford and Dawkins get the victory. Street Profits have arrived. Dan, what are your thoughts? You know, they seem quite entertaining, but I don't know. There, there might be a, a stripped-down version of the New Day. Not You know, not in a racial <laughs> thingy, but, you know, they're coming in, dancing... Making up silly handshakes, you know, being playing up to the cameras. You know, they certainly got a pair of personalities on them, and I'd like to see them against uh, a bit more of a challenge than yeah. local competitors. But to come in and make your debut, you know, they both they didn't do too bad. No, I think it's worth the hype. Like we said, both bros. Like we said, WWE. Yeah, fair enough. But NXT, there is no tag team like this at the moment, and it's good to have differences, isn't it? Yeah, we got Authors of Pain. Sanity, Heavy Machinery, big teams. And now this is something a little bit different that we haven't had in a little while. And it's always good to see good teams. Metro Brothers, I think, need to come up with maybe either a new gimmick or a bit more of a personality. But this was all about uh, the Street Profits. Well, yeah, Dawkins and Ford demonstrated their athleticism early in the short squash match. 
The latter overcome a bit of offence by Chris and CJ and made the hot tag to Dawkins. The newcomers scored a win moments later, kicking off their NXT run in impressive and successful fashion. Yeah, this was a showcase, like we said, for the Street Profits. For the most part, they passed the proverbial test. Yes, the comeback late needed to be a little bit more furious. But there is charisma and a team that makes them entertaining to watch. So, up next, Dan. First time ever. Drew McIntyre. Bobby Roode. We are a week away as we release this to NXT TakeOver. Current title holder Bobby Roode shared the square circle with the number one contender, Drew McIntyre. Well, McIntyre's come out. Let's hear Bobby Roode's glorious entrance. I mean, I get one a month and I'm lucky to going to have two in the space of a week. we go the man with all the style and grace of a champion the man who's had nxt on his back for this year made it the most successful brand in the wrestling world he is that mr nxt the undefeated undisputed nxt champion it is the glorious one bobby rue and he's coming out here to face his challenge ever in Drew McIntyre. This is going to be a meeting for the ages. Bobby Roode is the man. And as he shows the title to Drew McIntyre, my God. Well, look how many security guys brought out, though. Like you said, Dan, as cocky and arrogant as ever, Roode admitted, admitted entitlement and said he does not need a second chance like his opponent. He, we're a, but you do that Re- He reiterated that NXT is his and his alone. You're damn right about that, Dan. And uh, McIntyre responded, vowing to win the title as any good babyface in this scenario would. You're damn right about that, Dan. Uh, Roderick Strong's music played. You're damn and- right about that, Dan. Sorry, go on. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> and he implored general manager William Regal to give him a match with Rude, not for the title, but for the honour of his family. But why is Roderick Strong interrupting the greatest contract signing or the, the greatest coming together in WWE history. Why is he getting involved for? Anyway, go on. Uh, Rude agreed to give Strong a match, but he'd have to go through McIntyre first. Finally, it was decided that if Strong can beat McIntyre next week, he will get a shot at Rude after the pay-per-view, but the title match at take, uh, TakeOver remains the same either way. Well, what a shit way this feud is playing out. Rather than having all of it about Drew McIntyre and Bobby Roode, Roderick Strong has to get involved and fucking ruin it. Well, it's probably because Bobby Roode doesn't wrestle. Yeah, well, they're going about it all wrong. I I don't care. Well, it's interesting to see how this feud is playing out. It's almost as if Strong got far more over 
than management expected and plans were altered at some point because there has been a distant lack of emphasis as a main event of TakeOver. Yeah, he's not, he's not, he's obviously, even though he said he's going to win it, if the Roderick Strong storyline's going on and McIntyre's, he's, he's an afterthought and McIntyre should, we talk about Bobby Roode being the face, Drew McIntyre should be the face of NXT. He is the biggest star on NXT at this moment in time. Name value as well. Everybody knows Drew McIntyre from his past and to be treated as at the biggest event of NXT at the Brooklyn show, he's an afterthought and he has to go through Roderick Strong next week. Well, the emotion of uh, Strong's journey back to the title is more intriguing than McIntyre's second chance and that that appears to have manifested itself in the booking. Strong winning next week feels like a given if only because another high-profile loss would hurt his heat irreparably. So then McIntyre would go into takeover on a defeat to Roderick Strong going against Rude. It's just, I don't know. It's madness. I don't know. When a match was first announced, I didn't know which way it was going to go. I still don't know which way it's going to go. I would say all the matches at takeover, of course, we're going to get into more detail on the live show. I'm not sure how any of them are going to go and if we are going to get a confirmed lineup. What I do know, though, is we are getting a rematch that we wanted. Yes, and that is Only Larkin versus Danny Birch. And uh, these two guys beat the heart in a display of violence and toughness. And uh, Wednesday night they met in a, uh, Wednesday night they met in a rematch. Uh, here we go. Only Larkin, Paul, B- Paul Birch. Uh, <laughs> Danny Birch. Danny Birch, only Larkin, only Larkin, Danny Birch. It was a hell of a match last time round. Let's see if they can up the violence maybe in this one. Well, I'm going for the bald man to win. Yeah, so uh, bald ang- black trunks. Bald angry man. In black trunks. Little strikes. And they're going to try and mat wrestle to begin with. Oh, now we go. Collar and elbow tie up. The old favourite. Who's going to get the advantage? I mean, strength wise. Both are very equal. You could say only Lorcan is Danny Birch 20 years ago as he only Lorcan backs Birch up into the corner. But Danny showed his experience, making sure he's deep in it, turning him round, getting the advantage on a turnbuckle. You can see, just trying to get any control. Uh, that was a stalemate then between Danny Birch and only Lorcan. Let's see who can take the advantage. Like I said, so much aggression in each man. It'd be interesting to see who gets the advantage. Early on, they're feeling each other out like a championship match. Oh, oh, only Lorcan's gonna go for the leg takedown, gets him, and now he's trying to get his back. So he's trying to get his left arm under him, but Birch knows this, rolls through. And again, only Lorcan looking for the single leg takedown. Danny Birch blocking it. Of course, he's got the ropes to his advantage. Referee counts here. And now Birch going to the inside. Try- oh, and he's not trying to snap me. He's got the cravat in there beautifully, trying to stop the uh, the blood flow to Oni. Oh, Lorcan tries to turn him over, but he, uh, Birch keeps his grip there as tight as ever. It is a thing of beauty, just that hold there. It's got him such a... And, and the more you fight it, the tighter it gets as well. <laughs> she said. No. <laughs> Birch backs only up on the ropes. And again, going for that. And Birch adapting back into that hold, only trying to take the knee out. And again, this is just... Uh, this is first-class wrestling, as we see it. It, 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 it strides between what we know in the kind of MMA style that we can really appreciate as well. And now both men running off the ropes. Danny Birch there winning that test of strength. Uh, Lorcan sliding underneath. 
Oh, oh, goes for a leapfrog <laughs> over, but Burt's just picks the leg out of the air and drops Larkin face first onto the mat. Very nice. Oh, and then the uppercut by Birch. Oh, <laughs> the European uppercut by Birch, followed by uh, an American uppercut there by Larkin. And you can hear the slap. And you can see the marks on the chest and the uh, chin knocking him silly, Birch. Danny Birch, so he's certainly got a brilliant type of... Uh, <laughs> British wrestling going about. Yeah, sorry for laughing, but only just picked up Birch and just ran across to the other turnbuckle. It was like an Alabama slam in the opposite <laughs> corner. Yeah. You didn't care. Can he get him down? Oh, no. Oh. Uh-huh. And we get an advert for SummerSlam. Well, Dan, the writing is on the wall. And now uh, Danny Birch in the corner, only Lorkin. Oh, no. Oh, comes charging in for a second attempt there. Birch gets the feet up. Perched on the second rope. Lovely seated drop kick there. Yeah, that was... Danny Birch was perched, wasn't he? And he got the impact. Sends only back to the corner. And now Birch firing up. Oh, runs in with a big forearm. I know his forearm wasn't big. It was the impact of that. And now he sets them up. Tower of London. And no, oh. only Lorcan knows it. He's going to block it. Was he trying to, like, half Nelson suplex? No, Danny Birch has got it now. Oh! Oh, Rose folds him up with a belly to back. <laughs> and then hits him with a clothesline. Oh! But Larkin managing to kick out. Ah. Beautiful exchanges then by both men. But can Danny Birch put only Larkin away? At the moment, only Larkin is one nil up in this feud. Go with Danny Birch. Do it for England, son. Oh. For Queen and Country, Danny Birch. Well, only Lorcan blocking the suplex attempt. Oh, dropping to one knee, a brilliant count attempt. Both men locked in front face locks there, trying to work away at each other's uh, midsections with punches. Tower of London oh! off the top rope and hits it. Off the top rope. Two. Oh. oh. Two and 99 100s, but only Lorkin managing to kick out. Uh, I can't believe the impact there. Like I said, only Lorkin. No place to go, but down. And there's, well, the fans loving it at the moment, and fair play. What can Birch do? This is just as good as their first encounter. Well, you give me one good reason why Danny Birch shouldn't be fighting for the UK Championship. Oh! Tell you why, he might have just dislocated his jaw there thanks to only Lorkin's clothesline. That's why now only again. <laughs> only Lorkin trying to take Birch out of a big clothesline, but Birch ducks it. Only Lorkin hits the mat, but catches second time round. Oh! oh and a snapmare there. Goes for the cover. Two. Oh! Birch there managed to get his shoulder up at two. Two. You talk about gay abandon. Only Lorkin there just throwing everything in the wind. To try and take down Danny Birch. Now both men down. Who's going to get the advantage in this in this slobber knocker, Dan? Well, JR, it certainly is a slobber knocker. Mr. Slobber knocker. Mm, they call me Mr. <laughs> Bombastic. Oh, only with the uppercut. But Danny Birch seems to like it. Egging only looking on to hit him with one more. Oh, oh, lovely headlock takedown there, and then just <laughs> knees to the mix section, holding his head up there while slapping him. Oh, I only tried to respond, but then got caught with a. Oh no! Oh, that's what beat him last. That's what beat him last time, Dan. That is yes. The half. Birch. 
Half Boston Crab Ali Lorcan trying to get it in. Oh my word. Oh, but Lorcan kicking Birch in the back. <laughs> Stomping on his head there. Oh! But Birch doing everything he can to fight it, and now he's just kicking only Lorcan like a mule, but Mule's uh but Lorcan's relentless having hold of that leg finally gets him turned. Oh my god, he's got him now. Only Lorcan was standing those kicks and oh Birch turns him! Two Free. Oh! Rolls up Lorcan, gets the free count. You did it! He's tied it up at 1-0. Oh, uh, he caught him out of his own game there. And yeah, Danny Burt showing the wrestling experience that he has to get the victory. Fair play. What do you think of the match, Dan? I thought he was bloody brilliant. Fast-paced. Both men certainly gave it their all, and I look forward to seeing the third and final encounter between the two. Well, here we go. Danny Birch thanking the fans, and only Lorkin's there. And Birch, they're offering his hand to Lorkin. He'd be a fool not to accept this man's hand in marriage. <laughs> i tell you something, though. Something Rich Swan and TJP, or TJP could learn from this. Danny Birch not talking so much, putting out his hand like a man. Well, these two would make a brilliant tag team. Well, only Lorcan. Is he slapping the hand away? He slapped the hand away. Looked to be walking out of the ring. Birch is saying, look, come on, be fair, man. Two matches, one apiece. What's your problem, son? What's your problem, mate? (laughs) You want to fucking fight about it? And then only Lorcan extends his hand. There you go. Sign of friendship that we always love. Love? We always love here. One more match now between these two men. One more match. One more match. <laughs> Look at the marks on only Lorkin's shoulder there from the boots. And what's this? Fair play. Eh? Danny Birch holding the rope for only Lorkin. Very British. Very good shine. Very good of sportsmanship there, Dan. So we move on. We do. We do indeedy. Well, the rivalry between No Way Jose and CN had steadily built in the weeks ahead of this week's show. Wednesday night, they settled their differences in singles competition, and Almas was frustrated early on on a few occasions, rolling to the arena for to consult Zelina Vega. At one point, after being out-wrestled and outclassed throughout the bout, Almas let his hair down in a symbol of seriousness, the way Jerry Lawler would drop the strap of his singlet. Okay, damn, maybe things weren't that serious, but almost certainly became more focused. A nasty kick put Jose down, and the running knee should probably have finished him. Vega, though, demanded almost put his fun-loving rival down for the count. Hang on a minute. So, I think this is it now. Big knees. So, we see Cien and Noah Jose. Oh, Cien running in with the big knees to Jose in the corner. And there she is. The former Fia Trinidad, now known as uh, Vega. Selena Vega. But yeah, she wants CN to finish it properly. And that's a hammerlock DDT. And Noah Jose has been beaten by CN. 3-11, boy. Mm. Well, fair play. Yeah, he hasn't won in a long time. And maybe Vega has changed things. Look, she looks happy there. Well, after the match, Dan, Vega announced that if Johnny Gagano was looking for an opponent in Brooklyn... He have found one. Are you looking forward to maybe seeing Johnny Gagano versus Sienna Takeover? Yes, it could be a very good matchup between the two. I mean, you know, 
with his uh, Johnny Wrestling gimmick now going on. I'd like to see how that turns out against the 311 boy. Yeah, well, the match itself was more about putting over the dynamic between Almas and Vega than stealing the show or providing any great finality to the programme. The revelation of Almas versus Gano for TakeOver gives us another show, potentially fantastic, another potentially fantastic match to round out one of the best cards on paper this year. So we'd have Gagano versus CN. We'd have the tag team titles on the line, Sanity versus the Authors of Pain. We'd have the women's title on the line, Oscar versus Ember Moon. Of course, Bobby Roode versus Drew McIntyre for the NXT title. So there's just one more match to fill. Which will be, I guess, Alistair Black. So that is a hell of a card, Dan, isn't it? You know. Yes, and uh, you know, to be on the night before SummerSlam, I think SummerSlam is going to have a lot to live up to with its four-hour show, two hours uh, kickoff show. You know, the six hours worth of wrestling there just for one pay-per-view. Is it a bit too much? Well, this is the things that we are going to discuss on the kickoff shows. Uh, one last thing about NXT. I mean, we should say that um, Vega has helped Almas' character exponentially already. But now it should be interesting to see if the results and the push for the Mexican-born superstar or if she ends up overshadowing him. That's what Cien has got to be careful about. What have you thought of NXT update this month, Dan? Um, yeah, you know, it's certainly building to a lot of storylines and uh, <clears throat> it's trying to change your opinion on like the tag team match outcome because, you know, Authors of Pain have just been running through everyone. Bobby Roode's been running through everyone. You know, Oscar's been running through everyone. But the way things are going, you know, it seems like the tide could change. You know, all three yeah. dominant champions could lose their title. Yeah. On one night. I, I mean, honestly, I, I'm not lying. I think this has been one of the greatest months on NXT that we've watched, NXT Update, because of the storylines. We've just seen, you know, Sanity and the Authors of Pain. Like I say, I never thought I'd see Authors of Pain in trouble. I've seen that early, and I'm thinking now, shit, Sanity looked good with that, didn't they? The Oscar Ember Moon, well, the Ember Moon story, winning, you know, the first couple of weeks on NXT, and then the Oscar confrontation last week, was something that will be remembered for a very long time uh, and, and like everything else well the, the Cassie Sono Hidea Tami story you know and Alistair Black looking so dominating my only minus of it would be the treatment of Drew McIntyre but I'll get more into that in the live show what's been better this month Dan has it been 205 Live or NXT NXT yeah <clears throat> I think NXT is pissed over it what would be your match of the month if you can name one um, I think the only lock in um, I think the only lock in what's his name Danny Burke the only lock in Danny Birch. A couple of matches have been brilliant. Definitely above par, and I'd like to see more of them. Yeah, no, honestly, uh, that really stole the show for me as well. It'd be interesting what they do going forward as we wait for the trilogy of that. But yeah, NXT TakeOver, and everything like this. Dang on. Uh, more on NXT. 24,000 views. Now, thank you everybody for viewing the NXT content on the YouTube channel. Obviously, everybody excited for the Oscar Ember Moon match. We will have 25,000 views by the next NXT TakeOver Brooklyn event, which is just next week. But uh, this starts off a huge week for us, Dan. Friday night, WNR 117 SummerSlam 1992. Saturday at midnight, we are live with NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 3 kickoff. As we look at the latest episode of NXT and give you all the build-up, what will surely be a 
glorious event. But Dan, that's not all, because then Sunday night, 11pm live, the Dobby and I bring you Summer Slams. We look at the latest episode, 205 Live, and run for the cards as we get ready for the biggest party of the summer. Well, we'll be all over social media, but if you want to contact us... Well, we're on Twitter, at WW Network Review, or... At Vince McDan, WWE. I'm at J underscore Rollins. We've got a friend on Twitter, Dan. We have. We've got Mini Chris Benoit. Uh, well, we've got Mini Chris Benoit. He's at Mini Chris Benoit. He's just trying to make the world a better place. We're on Facebook. Facebook, come and find our page and give us a like with a WWE Network Review. We've got a f- we've got nearly a 1,000 followers on uh, on our Facebook page. Or you can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. We're across all the Google platforms. Yes, we are. Send us an email at dovinarpodcast at gmail.com. Google Plus, the W Network Review. We're on YouTube as well. Subscribe to the W Network Review podcast and watch all the latest videos. The podcast go up there at the same time as do other places like SoundCloud. On your phone. And also Spreaker Radio. We'll be doing our live shows next weekend. Don't forget, Saturday and Sundays, all across our social media. Click on the links. Watch us live. Like I say, midnight. And 11pm on the Sunday. And iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate and review there. Don't forget, next week we've got another big podcast. 25 years since WWE SummerSlam 1992 at Wembley Stadium in good old England. My cousin was there. Your cousin was there. We're going to talk all about the personal moments for us. And we're going to talk about the stories behind it as well. It is not to be missed. If anybody enjoyed WrestleMania 3, then SummerSlam 92 is going to be right up your alley. That has been everything. I have been James Rowlands. And as always, I was joined by... Dan White. Thanks for this, everybody. We'll see you next week for the huge weekend. Bye. Bye. Bye.